Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Indiana football has hired their new head coach. Days after parting ways with Tom Allen, the Hoosiers have got their guy. IU announcing they've hired Kurt Signetti as their new football coach. Yeah. Kurt Signetti out of James Madison. 62 years old, said he wants to coach for another 13 years. Yep. So we got a long-term investment here in Indiana and Bloomington. Go who, 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 Hoosiers. Looking right now, that smoke is now coming out of the chimney. It appears to be white. It is oh, very much white. Indeed. And you can see so the cheers. So then we have a new pope. We have a new pope, and you can hear the cheers. And I love it. I absolutely love that. Kirk Signetti, the new head coach at Indiana. Kevin Bowen, do we think we have enough to talk about today? Colts and Titans coming up on Sunday. Indiana football with a new football coach. The Pacers last night, disastrous on defense. And then an homage to Will Levis today, who put mayonnaise in his coffee at SEC Media Days and leading up to the NFL draft. The mayo for the YouTube audience has been purchased. It is here. It looks so bleeping horrific and in I that am, jar. And I am terrified. You guys have done this, and I have not done this. Good morning. How are we doing here on the fan not on this sure Friday? what is uglier, Ooh. the weather outside to start this month of December, or knowing that that thing's going to be plopped into Ooh. some coffee here in about 90 minutes. But I got the good stuff. I did think of getting the stuff on the very bottom shelf that just says mayonnaise on a white label and that's it, but I got the good stuff. Well, is that I'm room temperature too? Uh, it is. I love it. What yeah. I'm picturing is Mike Loxley being doused in the Duke's May. And honestly, for Indiana fans, maybe they hope that Kurt Signetti one day would be doused in mayo at the Mayo Bowl as Indiana tries for their first bowl win in eons. Good Friday morning to everybody out there. As Andy Sweeney just said, uh, it is loaded. I mean, the rundown could go a number number of directions. Indiana does have a new football coach. The Pacers' fourth quarter was Ugh. putrid last night. Ugh. They made the Heat look like, I don't know, Loyola Marymount and their offensive ability there. A wild Thursday night football game. Uh, Colts-Titans coming up on Sunday. Uh, the opening of Big Ten play tonight. Big Ten Network, just settle in at 7 o'clock. You get Indiana-Purdue with a doubleheader there coming up tonight. And Butler with a really nice win at Hinkle Fieldhouse last night. A very entertaining yeah, game. Yeah, I watched a lot of that game. As they game. win in overtime. So plenty, plenty to unpack from last night and obviously previewing this weekend. And you know, I, I kind of always forget, and maybe it's because, and you know, shout out to Purdue, they obviously made it last year, but you almost forget, Andy, like, oh yeah, we got a Big Ten championship <laughs> inside of Lucas Oil Stadium tomorrow night. Granted, it's quite the spread between Michigan and Iowa in that one. I guess we are maybe the Mayo, like we're, we're Iowa. 
What do you mean? Michigan's we're Iowa. the coffee. Oh yeah, and yeah. we're the mayo yeah, today. Gotcha. Yeah, we're Would the mayo today. How bad is this, by the way? Before we do this again, for people that don't remember, Will Levis did this back at Kentucky. He got a bunch of you know Instagram likes and Twitter likes and TikTok likes and everything else, and so it became a thing. I don't know. Did he do it leading up to the NFL draft, or was he like, okay, I now I need to he focus? Did it with his girlfriend, didn't he? Yeah. Well, you know, they're not together anymore, and there's the plop. So you, you, Jake and Mark did this back in what? May, April? Did you do this right in April? Right before the draft. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this was probably the week of the draft, maybe. Yeah, probably. The, I think it was the day of the draft. Was it the day of the I draft? Think we did it you waited all of. the way to the very last mm-hmm. second. I was wondering why I was in the bathroom a little bit longer <laughs> on that Thursday there so in late I, April. I have my coffee, but the only thing I need to know before we dive into, you know, second half, fourth quarter Pacers last night, we'll dive into that. Colts, Titans, a big one there in Nashville on Sunday. Now I have my coffee. You do your coffee before you get to the studio. Correct. I, I, I do a little I've bit. I've got to make some. I, understandable. I do a little bit before, but, you know, I'm a fiend on this stuff, so I keep it going at least till about 8 30 9 o'clock on the show do i need to to ration some off is there coffee here i've never made coffee at the fam before i have no idea what coffee making materials we even have mark you whipped up a pot last time right yeah I'll are do you that going that that, that, yes. that path again i'm not ruining the cup of coffee i have yeah, so tonight. around 7.45, Good. 8, Good. maybe Mark will Perfect. fire some up. Fire Perfect. alarm will probably go off. We'll call the cops because we're putting mayo in our coffee <laughs> on this Friday morning. Um, the Pacers have 82 of these, oh. Andy. Maybe 83, I guess, if they somehow get on a run in the in-season tournament. So I, I will put that just on the back burner for a second. Um, Indiana theoretically only hires one football coach every couple <laughs> of years. Kurt Signetti, James Madison, um, 62 years old, Andy Sweeney, he is a perennial winner. There is no debating that whatsoever. 13 seasons as a head coach in college football, 13 winning seasons. And don't look at the resume and think like six and five, seven and four. I mean, this is multiple kind of, you know, 10 win seasons, 11 win seasons. Um, he is certainly that. Uh, you like, you don't like, you've got questions. Where are you at with the hire of Kurt Signetti? Well, you know, so many people on this, and we talked about him yesterday. It's like everyone wants the full package of a coach at IU, and you're just not going to get it. And when, you know, the announcement came out, I was listening to uh, to Jake, to Query and Company, and Jake kind of said what I was thinking, that is, you're not going to get every box checked if you're an Indiana fan. Like, you're not going to get a guy who's probably super young. I know we talked about the age and everything else yesterday's in, what, 62, 63, that you're not going to get that and a guy that's a proven winner, right? If you go get a young guy and or a coordinator, you're going to get a guy that you don't know can win, can be a head coach, that can lead a program and everything else. And so, yeah, I mean, you look at him, how many more years um, is he going to be coaching? You look at him, he's won, but he has not won at the Big Ten level. He hasn't won at a Power Five level, maybe even a you know a Conference USA level. I like the hire. I, I I don't listen. I know people immediately want to want to make a snap judgment. It's a home run hire. Well, KB, I'm not going to do that. I don't know if it's a home run hire. This guy seems more than competent. He has been an assistant coach under Saban and other big time coaches. He's been around and played at big time programs. He has led a team. Um, you know, a, a, you know, if you're JMU, you're you know you're the big guy. Then you're the small guy going to the the big pot. Are you not? I mean, that's exactly what he was. What I did like, and we'll play some of this sound coming up later on, 
whether it's with Pat McAfee or not, he has some cockiness to him. Yeah, he's he got ha- some energy. Yeah, he has some Certainly. energy. He has some cockiness. He has some confidence. So I like that. Listen, it, it, on 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 the surface, I like the hire. I'm not going to run and say he's going to start winning eight, nine, ten games at Indiana, or, or it's a home run hire, or Dolson. You know, he got the guy for the next decade in Bloomington. I tell you what, it is he is more solid than Tom Herman. Tom Herman was up and down, even though I like that. He's more experienced than the coordinators. And to me, this is just me, he gives me a little bit more hope than Paul Christ. Does that make sense? So if we were looking at a Paul Christ type guy, I like this higher more than that. Let's see what happens. But all in all, I think if you're an Indiana football fan, it's not a bad day, was it? I thought he won the first sentence of his opening statement. And, you know, these are December 1st wins, let me be clear. Actions will speak much louder coming up in September. But the first words of his opening statement released by Indiana yesterday, by the way, press conference coming this afternoon for Kurt Signetti, 2.30 p.m. down in Bloomington. Uh, But his opening statement was this, I'm excited to lead this program forward and change the culture, mindset, and expectation level of Hoosier football. Yeah. I mean, that sums up everything you need to know about where Indiana football is. It's an acknowledgement of where you are. Um, I'm not sure you could find a resume, 119-35, and Andy. That's the win-loss record of him. That is more of a contrast than what he's walking into. I mean, honestly, the reverse of Indiana football is probably very similar to that record over the last kind of dozen years, if you want to look at it. Um, I also had a laugh yesterday. I was scrolling through Twitter, and I saw an Indiana fan tweet out. um, (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. I would have talked myself into the coach no matter who it was because it's fun to hope. And, well, and, and I think there is a lot of truth sure. in that statement as well. Now, what do you like? Again, he's one and one and one. Um, I think if you look at his history, you talk about working for Nick Saban. He was the recruiting coordinator at Alabama specifically. I think that element is key. Now, that was over a decade ago, to be fair. Um, I like that he has an offensive mind. That is where the background is, was a quarterback. Um, comes from a big coaching family. Uh, all of that, what you maybe don't like or what is an unknown, I'll repeat what I said yesterday. Find me, and this is a little bit of an ageist comment, and I don't know how else to express it without saying that because, again, when you watch him or you see him or hear him speak, you don't think 62 years old. At least I don't. But, Andy, find me 62-year-old head coaches that have taken on a rebuild at a Power 5 level and it's been successful. I, I, I can't really find any. So that, I think, is a question that you would have. Um, the other question is, how big of a jump is he making? Is coaching football just coaching football? Or is this a guy going from CYO to the top of college football? Well, you know, how big, you know, what is life, did James Madison deal with NIL? Well, building Indiana's, help building Indiana's football NIL is his number one task. Probably getting a quarterback and doing those sorts of things. By the way, did you hear his 10-second hello to the Indiana fan base? Play this, Mark. This is uh, Signetti yesterday on his Twitter account. Who's your nation? Kurt Signetti here, Coach Sig. I'm excited to get going. I'm all in. 
Look out for the Hoosiers. We're going to get this thing rolling one day at a time. One day at a time. I wanted him to have the cigarette in Coach the mouth. Coach Sig, that's the best part. Coach I love Sig. the Marlboro jerseys we're seeing for Indiana right now. Can those be the alternates? Like 35 years ago, you could have marketed around Coach Sig. Oh, 1,000%. You could have had him on a horse with the Marlboro man. So I feel like Packing that... Newports out of his back pocket <laughs> or something. I feel like that question, though, Andy, of how big of a jump is this? That's fair. It's fair. But is it, it's kind of unknown. You know, again, someone would counter and say, you know, building a program at any level is just like building a program. And coaching football is coaching football, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that's a little naive not to act like the Big Ten is just some ho-hum conference. I mean, if you look at the rankings right now, with Oregon and Washington coming sure. into the fold, what, you got oh, sure, four of the top six, no, it's you a loaded five conference. of the top ten. So yeah. that's a question I have is, is he in the shallow end and now he's jumping into the ocean? You know, that is, I think, a question to be had with that. Um, but think about this, KB. You were always going to get that question unless it was... But would you have gotten that with Paul Chris? No. Uh, Paul, yeah, Paul Chris would have I been mean, the Tom one. Tom Herman? Not really. Yeah, but Tom, Her- Tom Herman did fail miserably at Texas. Now, he was in the midst where coaches were... It's failed chur- miserably accurate were to describe chur- Were churning through. We had to think of around that time. Until they got Sark, Texas was churning through coaches, right? And so that was becoming one of those jobs almost where I was like, well, if you go to Texas, you know, almost like A&M now. A little bit. I think you're always going to get that. Like, if there was a coordinator that was hired, it's can he run his own program? Uh, is he going to be able to be an actual head coach? It's different being a, you know, being in the assistant head coach or whatever Mike Hart. What was Mike Hart? Running backs or, you know, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. I guess my, my thing is I'm giving this hire the benefit of the doubt, but what I'm doing is I'm not I'm not overdoing it. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not acting like no. it's, it's, oh, this is a home run hire they right. got. Right. The guy and everything else. Build the statue I, next yeah, to night. I am cautiously optimistic that they have a guy that can run a program. And when you talk about rebuilding Indiana, I mean, I hate saying this, but this is where they are. You have mentioned this. Go be at least like a Maryland. Right. You yeah. are drowning right it, now. Just float. J- just float. I'm get, not asking get, you to be Michael get, Phelps. Get to seven wins. Just float. Get to the Duke Mayo Bowl. Sure. Oh, <laughs> get to something. Hell, I'll, I'll take What is the Motor City still around? I'll take that bowl game. You know, just get to the sure. Tuesday night bowl game on December 19th to get things started here. Jennifer chimes in, goes, should Signetti coach in JMU's bowl game? He is. Um, I, he said he was. Right? I'm kind of like this, Andy. He, he deserves no preparation whatsoever for that bowl game. He needs to invest zero time. If he wants to be a figure on JMBU's sideline with the headset on for three hours, I'd literally fly him in the <laughs> night before the game, and he'd fly right out right. after the game. If he wants to do that and show some respect to the program that he's been at, sure. But he better spend zero time. Because right now, your time is Donovan McCauley, get back here. Right. All five starting offensive linemen, try and get back here. Transfer portals next week. Try and get back here. Um, He's got no ties to the Midwest, if you want to look at that, at least in a while from a recruiting standpoint. You know, you've got to make sure that you do that as well. No, it's okay. We have our our ESPN. uh, The ESPN clocks are still on, I believe. Yeah, I believe the computers have taken over. See, I know what's happened. Is that the robot that did my no. hair a couple no, weeks ago? No, I, I, I know what's happened. To, and Mark Dighton's going to have to alert someone, and I don't know. Here's what's happened. Last Friday, where were we, KB? Where were Well, we were at home, right? right. You were in bed. You were taking care of the State kids. finals. Whatever you, started, whatever, right? whatever you were doing. So ESPN Radio was on. So the ESPN Radio grid is still on in the computer system for this uh, football Friday for us. Do we need to hack in this? Uh, someone's going to have to. I don't know the protocols. Uh, yeah. 
emails are out. <laughs> well, I don't know the protocols in of the fans. In a way, I guess the start of that show, or this show, I should say, was like the Pacers' first three quarters, and that right there was like the fourth quarter. How worried are you? I, I, I'm. This defense is so bad, man. Like The defense is so bad. Andy, it can't Miami, be this bad. Miami scores 142 last night. Yeah, they average 110. They had not scored more than 129 in a game all season. 142. Bam out of bio doesn't play the second he half. He doesn't even play. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like when, when Butler's off the floor there, late third to start the fourth, and they, they expand it without Bam, without Butler. You imagine yeah. if you told the Pacers, take away Halliburton for five minutes and you know whoever is the sidekick, which is, is probably a question as well. Again, who is that sidekick for you right now? I, I thought the Pacers got punked in the fourth quarter. I mean, they, I was really pleased with the effort through three quarters. Like, okay, this is what you want to see from response on the road, et cetera, et cetera. And then that fourth quarter, just absolutely awful. And I tweeted last night, with the in-season tournament next week, what we know is this. You've got the home game with Boston on Monday. No matter what happens Monday, if you win, you go to Vegas. If you lose, you're going to go on the road for that second game. It'll either be in Milwaukee or in New York. Yeah, good team. What that means is this, Andy. That game on Monday against the best team in the NBA, the Boston Celtics, that is your only home game between now and December 18th. We're going to learn a whole lot about Rick Carlisle and his bunch here in the first couple of weeks of December. This is a... I think it's the first major gut check. Agreed. Look in the mirror moment for multiple weeks coming up here for the Pacers. 142-132. They lose to Miami last night. And we'll get to a lot of that here on today's show. And we have to get our picks to the Colts. I mean, it's such a big game on on Sunday. I think we could disagree on this one. Oh, okay. You don't think it's a big game on Sunday? No, no, well, no. I mean, no, no. They're, they're all big games on Sunday, I mean, obviously. with our picks. Oh, okay. Nice. I think Wait, we you, think, a... you think you know which way I'm going? I, I, uh, Ooh. Maybe I was premature with that. Now, remember, I, I picked the Titans last time around. M- I, I, I'll be honest with maybe you. Maybe the mail sparks something m- different. M- maybe. I have absolutely no, uh, no idea what I'm picking. When we get to our picks right now, I don't know who I'm taking. And by the way, we did get an announcement yesterday. I think we're kind of hinting at this with you guys, but Colts Steelers is now going to be 4.30 on Saturday, December 16th. And I listed it yesterday on Twitter. That is quite the day in the state of Indiana. You've got Kansas and Indiana at Ooh. Assembly Hall at noon, uh, noon or 12.30, one of the two, on that Saturday. And then I, I honestly feel bad that Purdue and Arizona don't get the standalone time slot. That's one versus two over Gamebridge Fieldhouse at 4.30 as well. NFL says we don't care. Uh, Colts and Steelers at 4.30 that same day over at Lucas Oil Stadium. Mark, is it safe to break? I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I've been told it's fixed now. Okay. It, so we'll it's see. literally knowing that system, it's about two clicks of a mouse can fix the entire thing. Good night at Hinkle last night and a big college basketball night as the Big Ten season gets underway. We'll touch on all of it here on this rainy Friday morning to start the month of December. Thanks for spending it with us. It is the Wake Up Call of KB and Andy on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, worth breaking down the rest of our show here. Bennett Conlin going to join us from JM, uh, JMU Sports News. He'll join us coming up here in about 15 minutes. Greg Rakestraw, 8 o'clock. Matt Taylor, voice of the Indianapolis Colts, will join us at 9 o'clock. Let's start with the Pacers. Last night, rough fourth quarter. Really rough second half. 142-132. Your final there in Miami. Rick Carlisle, postgame. we got to play better. 
we got to play better. It's a 48 minute game. It's not a 36 minute game. If it was 36 minute game, you know, there'd be a lot of teams with with better records, you know. But um, you know, we'll we'll look at it. There's no excuses. No excuses. I, I I do know there were a lot of small defensive mistakes that lead to baskets for them, and you know that that kills momentum. It takes us out of transition, um, and so these are things we got to shore up as well. Andy, I remember saying to you about a week ago, am I just resigned to the fact that the Pacers are going to have to outscore? Like, they're, they're going to be terrible on defense. They can't even get to bad. It's just going to be, you've got to get to 140 before the opponent. Like, it, it, I mean, we're now almost 20 games into the season. That's a fourth of the way through. It's almost like I'm there. Um, I, I just don't see where it's going to get better. And to add to it last night, no Bam Adebayo in the second half. That's a key loss for Miami. And yet you squandered, uh, I thought, a really good first three quarters um, throughout. So, again, they'll stay in Miami. God, boy, pray for them tonight <laughs> in Miami. Uh, tomorrow night is an 8 o'clock tip there in South Beach before they come back for that quarterfinal game against Boston on Monday. Every Pacers game reminds me of an all-star game. It's high scoring and no defense. <laughs> boy, you're not wrong. So, so You're really true. not wrong. All right, Colts, final practice of the week is today. Juju Brents remains out, so that's looking at a fifth straight game miss, which is a bummer in the short term and the long term. Plus, I think back to DeAndre Hopkins in week five. I know Hopkins hasn't been great with Will Levis, but still, that is of concern. Uh, it's a one-point spread. The Colts favored over the Titans. Did see Levis was a full participant. Yesterday in Tennessee's practice, I know we had some questions on that end, uh, but obviously a big one coming up here on Sunday afternoon. And last night, guys, that was a highly entertaining Thursday night football game. Uh, For the fifth time in NFL history, you had a game in which neither team punted the football. The Cowboys scored the final 14 points of the game. 41-35, Cowboys over Seahawks. That is now 14 straight home wins for Jerry's team. Also, yeah. a ton of penalty flags. My God. Yeah, yeah, it was it was riddled with penalties, but not only that, you know, the over-under on that was and, like 48. And plays in general. Just huge plays. It was like a four, like 48 was the over-under, I think. 48-49. <laughs> Dallas had 41 by themselves last night. Do you believe I may in have Dallas or no? That's my Super Bowl team. Come I, on now. I know. Well, you're going to make me uh, pick one of my most hated rivals. Uh, I mean, they're okay. They've I mean, got the Eagles next week. I know they just do. Just okay? Philly's beat up. No, I mean, they're a pretty good team. straight home wins, and if, they're just okay. If they Settle were, down just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, thank you. Settle down. The, the playoffs are a different thing. <laughs> Dak will get in those playoffs well, and they'll melt like he always does. And they won't does. be at home in the playoffs <laughs> unless Probably. they upset Philly You know, they were many other week. divisions. They'd be leading, but Philly's that good. Uh, let's go to college basketball real quick. Obviously, tonight we had the doubleheader you mentioned get in front of the TV Big Ten Network Indiana, Maryland 7 o'clock Purdue on the road at Northwestern and then last night uh, at Hinkle good game per, as uh, Butler moves to 6-2 and two on the year overtime winners 103-95 big game here's Thad Mata post game big 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 win for our program there's there's no doubt about that because I think it, you know all the work that these guys have put in not only as a team but individually um, to see them get that type of win in this type of environment uh, Hinkle was, was rocking tonight and uh, proud of these guys. Yeah, I thought Thad handled the end of regulation really well. Texas Tech's possession wasn't really going anywhere. Then all of a sudden, boom, they get a layup to force it into overtime. And he is yelling, five minutes, five more minutes, you know, doing the whole clapping and everything. And his team responded to that really, really well in overtime. So Butler's got a few nice wins on the resume early in the year, which resume and Butler is not something we've said in recent years. So uh, Thad Mata, good work here in year two. Uh, By the way, for tonight, Purdue is a a seven and a half point favorite 
at Northwestern. Remember, this was one of the few losses last year for Purdue. Boo Boo, he had a big night uh, last year in this home game for Northwestern. Indiana, a two and a half point favorite. Xavier Johnson sounds uh, a bit iffy for tonight as he dealt with that foot injury in their last game out against Harvard. Um, I feel like that covers. Yeah, I didn't see Maryland's four everything. and three on the year. Wow, what a rough right. start for them. Jordan Geronimo, Yikes. former Hoosier, in their starting lineup. And again, college football this weekend over at Lucas Oil Stadium tomorrow night. It will be the Wolverines of Michigan. Coach Harbaugh back in the stadium. He's in the Ring of Honor. That's our guy. Twenty-two and a half point favorite. That is a large one against Iowa. It is wild that ten and two Iowa is a three touchdown underdog. And it's wild that they're 10 wins and they scored nine points a game. So true. <laughs> uh, you got any upsets here? On Are, are you surprised uh, by tonight? How about tonight? Oh, tonight's such a big game. On our airwaves. Oh, it's such a big game. Undefeated Washington against one loss Oregon. Washington gave Oregon in a great game earlier this year, that one loss. Oregon, with the one loss, is favored by 10. Yeah, yeah. And if Oregon wins, they're in. I, I mean, you know, that would be that would be rough, but this is such a big game. The SEC is going to be watching this game. The ACC and Florida State, they're going to be watching this game. By the way, the Florida State line is down to one and a half. There, there are strong rumors out there that Florida State could be down to their third-string quarterback in this game. So what I think is going to happen here, I think Louisville beats Florida State. I think Louisville is going to beat Florida State, and you know the committee, the committee is hoping that happens so they don't have to put Florida State in, so they can put a second SEC team in, or end up having to put Texas in if Texas can win the Big Twelve. It's going to be a fun Saturday. Speaking of college football, the other side, Bennett Conlin, he works for JMU Sports, has covered Kurt Signetti. We'll get a little bit. More insight into him and looking ahead to Colts and Titans coming up on Sunday afternoon. Thanks for starting off this month of December with us. It is the Wake Up Call. KB and Andy. Who's Kirk Signetti? We'll find out coming up in about five minutes. Bennett Conlin going to join us. JMU Sports News. We'll talk with him about that. Greg Rakestraw coming your way at 8 o'clock. Matt Taylor at 9 and then jammed in between at some point here on 8.30 uh, because of Will Levis putting the mayo in the coffee leading up to the draft. Mm-hmm. We'll yep. be doing the same. I have the mayo right here. Bought it yesterday at Kroger. So Pray there you go. for the plumbing here on the sixth <laughs> floor at Radio 1. God, that looks uh, awful. It, Plop uh, it up, folks. You at least know. I like you know how it tastes. You know what you expect. I'm sitting over here blind, horrified, terrified. I've been, you know, Will Levis has been in my life for years, and I have not done this. And now I sit here in Indianapolis, and I have to do it. Is the only Will Levis concern for Sunday this? Got a big arm. We all saw it. What a month ago in his debut. I mean, put up you know huge numbers against the Falcons. That's really been the only game he's put up notable, notable numbers. But remember last week, Andy, I Colts secondary lost Mike Evans a few key times, and I feel like there's been some communication issues on the back end, and that offensive line for Tennessee is bad. So they've got to do a lot to hold up in pass protection. But I'm curious, do they? You know they're going to try a couple deep balls. They got to play to Levis' strength. Can they hit on a couple? I, I think, you know, considering the Colts have had some secondary questions this season, again, last week we saw it a few times, uh, that's Levis's bread and butter. They he do, they don't want to beat you death by a thousand paper cuts, dink and dunk, dunking their way down the field. I think that is a question. Part of it is on your pass rush. Again, Tennessee's O-line is decimated. And are you able to kind of make sure that they are behind schedule, you get them in third and disadvantages, let your pass rush pin back because if they can set up some of those deep shots, 
Levis does have the arm to try and connect on those. Yeah, Levis has the arm. I would say what surprises me the most about Will Levis thus far this season is that he hasn't, and I know, listen, I know he has two interceptions in five games, but he hasn't been the turnover machine that he was at Kentucky. That's one reason why I think a lot of people were down on him. If you watched a lot of him at Kentucky was, I mean, he made careless throws. He fumbled the ball. Like, you always felt like the game-losing interception was about to happen. Now, in the Pittsburgh game, which was that Thursday night game, if you remember, his second start... First road start. Yeah, he threw the interception at the end of the game. Talking to a couple buddies who are Titans fans, they weren't too worried about that. You know, he's just trying to do something there, right? Trying to get the ball into the end zone at the end of the game with time running out. So that one has almost been moved aside. I got to be honest, I'm not sure exactly how bad the Tampa Bay interception was. But for me, you know, I look at this game early analysis. If I were to pick Indy to win the game, I would look and I would say, is this defense, which, you know, is top 10 in sacks, they've got her, you know, 11 sacks, I think it is yeah, the last couple weeks. Pressure they've dialed up more pressure Are they going to let a, a rookie quarterback who is already a little unsure of himself, who has a little bit of an ankle injury, just do the one thing to beat them, which is go deep, which Atlanta let him do. In other words, I I mean, this defense, you know, losing that kind of game, it's different losing even if you would have lost to Tampa Bay and Baker Mayfield, maybe a little bit more of an established guy. Mike Evans having a great, I mean, having a great season, having a Pro Bowl season. Godwin is there. Like, to me, are you going to let Will Levis beat you in this game? And if I'm picking the Colts, I would say no to that. It might be ugly, it might be 2017, but it might fit the mold as well, Kevin, of beating a bad team who's down and out on their luck this season. Yeah, and again, it starts with Tennessee's run game, of course. And if Henry can get going and they can stay on schedule, that's huge. I think if you make Levis play from behind, chain-wise, third and longs, then he can look like the Kentucky guy. But if you let Henry get going, and this is it. This is the final game without Grover Stewart. It's almost like I know you start without Stewart and <laughs> Cleveland gas shit in a few key moments moments now you end without Stewart in this six game cycle do we see it show up again that is a worry I have because you were so good against Henry back in week five and yet Tennessee still had chances which is a five game suspension for the uh, right. for the mask agent or whatever he took I think that's obviously <laughs> a huge storyline coming up on Sunday all right let's get to the Payless Liquors hotline let's learn something about Kirk Signetti here JMU Sports Bennett Conlon joins us here on the program Bennett good morning sir how are you I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you so much for joining us and joining us in the 7 o'clock hour. But it's hard to get guests in the 7 o'clock hour. We uh, we do appreciate it. Uh, I guess, what is the reaction there? Coach Sig leaving, going to Bloomington. What has been the reaction after such a great season there with JMU? Yeah, I think there's certainly some disappointment among JMU fans just because Signetti is a very good coach and had a ton of success at JMU going 52-9. and Over five seasons, he let him into the FBS and I think was more impressive than anybody expected at the FBS level. So there was a hope among fans that uh, Cignetti would stick around for at least one more year with that expanded 12-team playoff next year and potentially a spot for the Dukes in a group of five teams. So uh, some disappointment, but also sort of a respect and, and admiration for what Cignetti accomplished in Harrisonburg. 
Bennett, how would you describe Kurt Signetti on the sideline, sidelines? Like his coaching style, uh, how JMU you know played the game, if you will. Uh, just more of kind of the football coach. How would you describe uh, Coach Sig? Yeah, so he builds kind of from the trenches first. So he wants a good offensive line, a good defensive line. I think the the part about Signetti that people maybe overlook or don't understand is that he's willing to adjust based on his personnel. So JMU, for example, this year came into the season, returned a lot of running backs, had a good offensive line. There was an expectation uh, with some questions at quarterback that they would be a run-heavy offense. They kind of tried to do that through the first like five weeks of the year. Uh, it didn't work the way they had hoped. Uh, their running offense is one of the least efficient in the Sun Belt. Things weren't, they were winning games, but they were close games. The offense was really inconsistent. Then they had a bye week, and they came out of the bye week um, as a pass-first offense. They looked pretty much uh, a lot different. They were a lot more explosive and much better offense. They ended up having their quarterback win Sunbelt Player of the Year, uh, and they had two receivers go over 1,000 yards. So they went from what expected to be sort of this run-heavy physical offense to a group that was just throwing the ball 30, 40 times a game. So he's really willing to adjust. Uh, His focus is going to be offensive line, defensive line. Uh, They spread you out on offense, but do some different groupings based on their personnel. And then defensively, uh, they ran pretty much a 4-2-5 all year. Uh, Great defense. And I think the expectation, at least from what uh, we've heard around Harrisonburg, is that he plans on bringing quite a bit of his staff with him. And then I guess on the flip side of that, maybe describe him a little bit more off the field. You know, it's funny when we saw him, and obviously Pat McAfee, a lot of local ties here to Indy, when we saw him make that appearance with McAfee well, when that was awesome. Game Day was there. Dude, that was awesome. That was high energy. <laughs> was you talk great. about a dude marketing for his program and playing to the crowd. He checked all those boxes. Um, how would you describe Kurt Signetti off the field? Yeah, he's a fun guy. He's super candid, so you're going to get some – some good quotes. I would say he's um, he's a bad quote during like fall camp. Like he'll tell you pretty much nothing about his team <laughs> during fall camp. But once the season kicks off, he's very candid about who's going to play, who's not going to play, um, certain things they're doing that he likes, things that he doesn't like. Um, he was pretty open this year at, at times of calling out the starting quarterback um, and sort of challenging him publicly, which seemed to work. He ended up winning some player of the year. So he's a, he's a great quote, an interesting guy. Uh, unique character, but somebody yeah who's who's super loyal to uh, his staff, his his players, uh, and the fan base. So when he goes somewhere, he commits pretty hard to to what they're doing and what they're trying to accomplish. So uh, I think fans will really appreciate him. He's somebody that that knows how to win, and he's he's um, he's not doing a ton of coach speak, which I think Jamie fans appreciated. Bennett Conlon with us here on the Wake Up Call. He's from JMU Sports News talking Kirk Signetti, of course, being hired officially yesterday in Bloomington. You mentioned he's going to be bringing a ton of that staff with him. What notable names do we need to know here as that transition is going to be happening over the next couple days? Yeah, I think the three names that Jamie fans thought of as internal hires, and I think uh, uh, the athletic director shot that down yesterday, so it, does, it seems unlikely that they'll be hired by Jamie. But you got the offensive coordinator, Mike Shanahan, defensive coordinator, Bryant Haynes, and then they'd love to, I'm sure Indiana would love to have a quarterback's coach, uh, Tino Sonseri. So all three of those guys are, are young coaches that have had a lot of success. They've been with Signetti for multiple seasons. Uh, they're a huge part of, of Jamie's success. The players really respond to him. Good recruiters. 
I think they, they're all really well in sync in terms of understanding what Signetti wants, why they want to do it, but then also having a willingness to, to share their own ideas and, and change schemes throughout the season as needed based on their personnel. So if you get, uh, if you're an Indiana fan, you're able to get Shanahan and Haynes as your coordinators, I think you're probably overjoyed. So that seems like it's certainly uh, a realistic possibility at this point. And uh, yeah, I think Indiana fans should be pretty excited if that's your um, sort of the bulk of the staff. The south side of Indianapolis, curious if uh, Ron Colley legend Patrick Kuntz, the defensive line coach, will be making the trip back here. <laughs> Absolute legend, Mr. Kuntz there. Okay, Bennett, last one for me. And again, Bennett Conlin, co-founder of JMU Sports, joining us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. We're getting to know Kurt Signetti a little bit more. Uh, Kurt Signetti, by the way, will be on with JMV coming up at 5.30 today. How much of a rebuild, because on paper it doesn't look like there was much at all. I guess how much of a rebuild was JMU when he took over or was, I mean, it might be a dumb question because I'm like, wait, weren't they just in the national title a couple of years before he took over? Yeah, so not not much of a rebuild there. I think his other stops, IUP and Elon, were, were really impressive. The Elon one, uh, they played in the same conference this CAA as JMU did when they were both at the FCS level. Uh, Elon was not a very good team. They were not used to winning, not expecting to win. He made them good immediately. Uh, eight and four his first year. Six and five his second year is super misleading. They started the year extremely strong, and their starting quarterback got hurt, and they had, like, I think their starting running back also got hurt. So they're eight and four his first year there, six and five his second year. Uh, they were a much better team than that six and five record suggests. I think that was the year. Yeah, that was the year they beat an undefeated JMU. JMU fans were talking about their team like they might have. Um, like a historically great team through five weeks. Elon came to Harrisonburg and upset them. I think Jamie was like a 35-point favorite. So, um, wow. Sinetti's a really good coach. He's turned a, a couple places around that, that weren't winning a lot of football games. Uh, Jamie wasn't one of those, but he sort of came in and immediately took the Dukes from a winning program, maintained that. And then I would say, if, if you want to say a rebuild of any sorts, um, going into the FBS, the way he developed depth across the roster uh, was really impressive given the the scholarship increase you get once you move up levels. I thought he handled that really impressively and also navigated a COVID season for the Dukes where they played in the spring in 2020 and then in the fall in 2021. So really small off season there. And they ended up going uh, 19 and three over that stretch, despite, you know, potential injury risk and all that stuff. So um, not necessarily rebuilding at JMU, but the challenges he faced, I think were, unique to any other previous coach in the school's history. All the reports, Bennett, and Bennett Conlon with us, uh, we're talking JMU, is obviously Kirk Signetti goes to Bloomington. All the reports have Coach Sig going, and by the way, I love that. that that's what I'm calling him, Coach Sig. I, you know, have him coaching the bowl game. I, you know, around here, I'm not sure exactly how to take that. He's got a big rebuild here in Bloomington. Was that important to him or the school? How did that go down, do you think? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. The school, based on uh, the athletic director, seemed like it was relatively important to JMU to have him coach that. I imagine Signetti, part of him, wanted to, to finish out the season with the Dukes just because they've had such a special year. Um, he's shown in the past that he's, he's pretty good at juggling multiple responsibilities. So I think um, coaching a team for a bowl, it, it sounded like what he was saying to local media sort of before he left for Indiana as well, is that he would have been recruiting focused at JMU regardless. Um, during this time where they pretty much have their practice schedule, they do that. They watch a little bit of film, but there's, you know, especially early on, there's not a time because they don't even know their bowl opponent yet. Um, so I think he'll be able to juggle that pretty reasonably where I think he'll he'll be excited to have one last game on the sidelines. And um, 
I'm sure his primary focus during the next two weeks is is going to be recruiting for Indiana would be my expectation. Bennett, appreciate the insight on Kurt Signetti. I know it's probably been a busy 24-hour period for you. Uh, so thanks for waking up with us on this Friday morning, and uh, have a great weekend, man. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Bennett Conlin, JMU Sports, right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Again, Kurt Signetti going to come up with a JMV later today. Press conference at 2.30 from Bloomington. I believe that will be streamed live on the various IU social channels. If you look at it, Andy, I find it interesting. Purdue and Indiana make a coaching hire each of those programs in the last 12 months. Ryan Walters is the fourth youngest head coach in college football, comes from a defensive background, comes from major college football. On the flip side of it, Kurt Signetti is nearly 25 years older than Ryan Walters, head coach for over a decade. Uh, Walters obviously was not a head coach before coming to Purdue. He's not been at the major college football level for quite some time. Um, I do you remember have... Sonseri. I do remember he mentioned I do remember Sonseri. Tino. Yeah. Would you rather have the younger Walters defensive guy? Would you rather have the established head coach, the guy that's won and built some programs, albeit not really close to this level in Kurt Signetti. I think for Indiana, I'm fine with them doing what they did because they need to get back to at least seven wins. A perennial loser needed a perennial winner? Yes. Yes. I think that's the best way to put it. Put that on a t-shirt. I'm sure Indiana fans would love that. get the cigarette at the bottom of it? get the cigarette? I know. I know. Again, 35 years ago, uh, you know, Coach Sig could have been something we had fun with. Uh, let's play this as well. You alluded to this earlier. Uh, he was on with Pat McAfee when they were at JMU and College Game Day was there. Mac if he was doing his show. This is about 20 seconds. This is Signetti getting the mic and talking to the masses now, does there. This, does he reference the NCAA this here? Is, this is the exact soundbite. Let's let's provide a little context for people that, that are unfamiliar with JMU's story. Because they made the rise to the football subdivision, I believe, two years ago. They had to wait. They are not eligible for their Correct. conference title or Correct. a bowl game. It sounds like that might change, though. So this was Kurt Signetti trying to pump up the crowd and, I guess... Take a shot at the organization a couple miles down the road from us. Do we like the NCAA? That's He's referring great. to Duke's Mayo. I was yeah. going to say, was that, he saying the Mayo right there, or was that the exactly James Madison it. nickname? Yeah, again, when I, like I that. saw that, I Andy, like that. and I yeah. started to look more into Kurt Signetti, I'm like, wait, that dude's 62? I like him. I mean, he's one of the older college football head coaches. I'm like, <laughs> first off, he doesn't look 62, and his energy level is certainly not that at all. So, again, Kurt Signetti today will be making a little bit of the rounds. We're hoping to have him on the show at some point next week. All right, coming up at 8 o'clock, lots to cover with Greg Rakestraw. Again, we'll continue to get you set for Big Ten openers tonight for Indiana and Purdue. Those will be on Big Ten Network at 7 and 9 o'clock. Butler with a big win last night and an ugly, ugly fourth quarter for the Pacers down in South Beach. The Tyrese Halliburton stat line, it, it, I'll leave you with this, and Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted this out. Late last night, Tyrese Halliburton last night, Andy, had a career-high 44. Halliburton, for the month of November, he averaged 28 points and 11 assists. He also shot 53% from the floor, 47% from three. Woj tweeted, in the history of the NBA, 
guys to average at least 25 and 10, that's 10 assists, in a month, and at least shoot 50% and 40%. Again, Halliburton is 47, but 50% from the floor, 40% from three. Halliburton joins a list that has two names on it in the history of the NBA. Ooh, I love these. Okay, who are the two names? I did not see this tweet. Michael Jordan. Okay, he's pretty good. And LeBron James. <laughs> okay, there he goes. It's pretty good. How good is Tyrese Halliburton? Well, I mean, that's one and of the things... And how much of a shame is it that we're talking about a 9-8 and eight basketball th- th- team? That's what scared me is he cannot play better basketball and they're 9-8 and eight on the season. I mean, he's been great. LeBron did it twice. MJ did it once. Halliburton did it in November. Insane wants to make you cheer and cry at the same time. We'll do all those emotions with Greg Gregstrom now. All right, Greg Ragstraw going to join us here in just a second. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, will join us. His normal Friday 9 o'clock slot with us will give you our picks. I'm not sure if that matters. Although I was right last week, we'll give you our picks of the Colts and Titans. And then Mark Dykton's going to be leaving the studio here. And uh, he will be putting on a pot of coffee. And we will be doing sports radio hijinks coming up at about 8.30. We will be putting the Will Levis mayonnaise in the the coffee, something Levis <laughs> made popular at Kentucky and then leading up to the NFL draft. You think Rake so, has ever done that? Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Well, let's get him going. Rake, have you ever uh, put the mayo in the coffee? You want to do that? You want to come by? I uh, No. Uh, I am a mayo connoisseur. I am a coffee connoisseur. I am not crossing the streams. <laughs> that sounds utterly disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm fearful. I know Mark and KB, they've done this. I have not done this, even though I followed and watched every snap that Levis took uh, there I've heard at it tastes Kentucky. a lot better the second time around. So. Is that what you yeah. hear? Uh-huh. Well, well, we'll see. What's your favorite mayonnaise then? We have Duke's Mayo. That's what we're going to roll with here in about 25 minutes. You know, it's kind of like office space. I celebrate the entire catalog, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, let me let me start here uh, in Ray, uh, Greg Rakestraw on the Payless Lakers hotline. Uh, Kirk Signetti gets hired. Uh, press conference today at around two thirty. He's going to be on with JMV at about five thirty. I thought Kevin said it best. The perennial winner. For the perennial loser uh, taking over there in Bloomington, uh, I, I don't know how much you know of him. What do you make of the hire? Um. I think, it's, I think it's the best hire you can make. Is it going to lead to success? I have no idea. Because there have been a lot of talented people. And it has been rare that someone has won consistently at IU. You know, Bill Mallory has the longest stretch of success. You've got John Pont that has that comet of 1967. You've got Bo McMillan during World War II when Indiana was a good football team for a good chunk of the 40s. You know, you can't ignore what Tom did for back-to-back years in 19 and 20. Uh, What we thought Terry Hepner was trending towards doing in Bloomington. But there have been a lot of talented football minds that have not won in B-Town. Good news, bad news is that the way you play the game in terms of recruiting facilities, etc., has now completely changed. You also have never had a big hit like this one that spans the entire country and has 18 teams. Um, And and so I I think of the available candidates, Signetti's resume is as good as anybody. I I, I think it's the best hire that Scott Dolson could make. It's going to lead to success. I have no earthly idea. I have decades of evidence that tell me it probably won't. 
Rick, it's probably an unfair question, but I find it interesting. In the last 12 months, you've seen very different hires from Purdue and Indiana. Purdue hires one of the youngest head coaches in college football, a first-time head coach, a heavy defensive background, has been at this major college football level, though, uh, throughout his coaching career. On the flip side of it, Indiana hires a guy that is nearly 30 years older, um, has an extensive head coaching background, but has not been at this level in quite some time. More of an offensive background as well. Which one makes more sense to you? Uh, both can, can can make sense. And Kevin, what always usually happens in a coaching hire? You tend to go in the opposite direction you were in if you feel the program needs a change. Yeah, for sure. Now maybe you maybe you could say that Purdue didn't exactly need a change. Not from a record standpoint, I think some of the folks behind the scenes were relieved that, that Jeff Brom was, was, was moving on, um, at least just from a personality standpoint and, and, and not with the record on the field. That was solid, you know, more years than not. But because Tom Allen, clearly a defensive guy, and it didn't work the last three years, what direction you're heading? You're, you're going to head in the opposite direction. So I... I I am a big believer in it's about best available fit. And it's a little bit different in college than, say, the pros, where the roster is established. You go, okay, we need this type of coach because we have these type of players. Well, these days, more so than ever before, it is a blank canvas. You want to start your team over? Fine. Everybody out. Let's all jump in the portal. Let's see who we can bring in. Uh, and so, really, it's about – who do you think the best fit is? Mike Babinski thought that going with a younger coach who was just across the state line, who had Big Ten experience, felt that was the way to go for the program. We can't say that it was the wrong fit after the first year, 4-8. and eight. Jury is still out. Many people felt you wanted to get a guy that knew about being a head coach, that has had a track record of success, that leaned towards being an offensive guy. He checked all those boxes for IU. I think both of them can work out. And I think really it's about whatever you feel is the best fit for your program at that time. Greg Rakestraw with us here on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. Um, you're going to be on that post game with the Colts and Titans, and we're going to be talking about that game a lot here the second half of the show. You know, you look at the first time around, so much has changed from the 23-16 win the Colts had earlier in Lucas Oil Courts. The game, Anthony Richardson was injured. What do the Colts need to do for you, Rake, to have a, a positive, happy post game show on Sunday? Their formula for success is, is amazingly simple. Win the turnover battle, win the game. Um, obviously, when you are taking on the Tennessee Titans, you, you know, goals one through 78, stop the guy wearing number 22. Um, easier said than done in total, especially the case without Grover Stewart. Last game that Grover will miss is absence we felt dramatically. I'm sure you guys have touched on this. I'm not sure at the NFL level. I have seen a team that is as Jekyll and Hyde at home in the road as the Tennessee Titans. Four and one at home, oh and six on the road. That's that's that is a somewhat baffling stat, to be honest. We talk about home field advantage; it's never usually that pronounced. Um, it seemingly is for that team, um, and so it's going to be a lot of bend but not break because again, the Colts have given you five games worth of can't really stop the run without Grover Stewart on the field. You know that's what Tennessee does well. Will Levis will not be asked to pass the football a lot. But if you can force him into making mistakes, 
And if this team can make fewer mistakes than the Titans, again, 11 games of evidence now have shown, Colts in the turnover battle, they're probably going to win the game. And so to me, we can all say, hey, stop Derrick Henry. Colts aren't going to do that. Just They're just not. Um, but can they win the turnover battle against a rookie quarterback? Yeah, I think they can. And if they do that, they can get to 7-5. and five. Okay, Greg Rakeshaw is with us here, ISC Sports Network. Greg, if you don't mind, can we go back to last weekend in the IHSA State Finals? Uh, do we have any numbers yet on how things looked from a streaming-only standpoint here in 2023? Not that have been shared with me at this point, so unfortunately I don't have an answer for you on that question. Okay, well, uh, hopefully we'll get one at some point. Uh, shifting gears then, basketball-wise, obviously historic season last year for the Giants of Ben Davis. Uh, we saw a couple of big transfers here locally in Jalen Harrelson and Kanan Ketchings. Certainly the Flory Badunga storyline is one to watch this year at Kokomo. What is on your high school basketball mind as we now kind of shift towards that? Uh, it is it is shootout slash event season. So, for example, this Saturday is Sneakers for Santa shootout. We have that on ISC. The two games that I get to call on my Indy TV tomorrow night are Lawrence North and Brownstown Central, followed by Center Grove and Attics. Next weekend, it's the Forum Tip-Off Classic. Hey, we have that, too. It's the, uh, it's the Phil Cox Memorial Tournament in Kokomo. Uh, obviously, anytime you can show Flory Badunga, you get a lot of eyeballs. We had their season opener against Westfield, but Westfield won last Saturday. Hall of Fame Classic, Paul Logan Classic, etc. From a local standpoint, so far Brownsburg and Fishers have played well without their star players. The, how long can that translate? They both have really good coaches in Steve Lynch and Garrett Weiniger, so I think they can be successful. At what point does that talent drain, star player, et cetera, at what point does that give you fits in terms of the state tournament? We're three months away from that, so we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I think Lawrence North, when fully healthy, might be the best team. They're not fully healthy just yet. Um, it's kind of questionable if Stink Robinson's going to play in tomorrow night's game. He's kind of uh, dealing with an injury. And Jared Good, one of their um, solid um, I think it's named him by his dad's name. Um, I'm spacing on the son's name. Anyway, he did you say the January. one kid's name was Stink? <laughs> Stink Robinson. Xavier Robinson is his name. Everybody calls him Stink. So God, what a great the, nickname. The, the only other Stink is Schlereth. To be nicknamed Stink since Mark Schlereth. Yeah, I was about to say the best one of the best one of, of this millennium. Yes, <laughs> that is awesome. I was about to say Mark Schlereth is the only other Stink I know in sports. I think Notre Dame's offered him. Now I want him more than ever. Uh, most major college programs have offered him. He has started since day one. He is a junior. This is a group that has largely been together. What LN didn't have last year, a lot of were seniors in size, really just graduated two seniors. They found one in Brendan Miller, who as a freshman was playing on the JV until about January. Just started knocking down shots at the varsity level. So now they've got, if not the typical LN size, enough size, especially against a team like a Kokomo, uh, et cetera, uh, to do some damage. Ben Davis will be good once they get all their pieces assembled. You know, Fishers beat them last week. Mark Zachary did not play. Ben Davis was scheduled to play four times before tomorrow when they play Fort Wayne Wayne for game number five. They didn't play last Saturday because it was obviously opposite the 6A championship game. They're not playing tonight. Did not want to play a conference game without their full complement of players 
All of their guys will have their practices in. Mark Zachary will make his season debut tomorrow when Ben Davis takes on Wayne at 445 at Brownsburg High School, which can be seen for free at iscsportsnetwork.com. Rake, it's um, something that Scotty Johnson, our great statistician among other things, confirmed earlier this week, and it's a bit astonishing. We have not had a mid-major in the NCAA men's basketball tournament from the state of Indiana since Valpo in 2015. Um, if I'm looking at these records correctly right now, we've got Indiana State at 6-1, and one, Evansville yep. at 6-1, and one, Ball State and Michael Lew- And these are all pretty you know, young coaches in terms of how they've been or how long they've been at these respective programs. Ball State and Michael Lewis at 5-2. and two. Uh, uh, Do we feel like, obviously, Ball State, or excuse me, Indiana State and Evansville are in a loaded Missouri Valley. The MAC is a good mid-major conference as well. Do we feel like there's some potential for... Purdue, and we'll see if anybody else from the state challenges for an NCAA tournament bid? You know, I, I, I do. Um, I think Indiana State, now again, the, the Valley is, is not is not Wichita State Creighton days, uh, but I think of, of the one-bid leagues, it's about as good as, as you're going to find. Um, and so, Indiana State was predicted to finish fourth. Evansville was predicted to finish 11th. Now, that, that can obviously be off. Evansville lost their conference opener at Missouri State earlier this week. Indiana State crushed Illinois State uh, when, when they played in whoever they opened Southern Illinois. Sorry, uh, in in terms of their conference opener back on Tuesday, Indiana State I think is going to be really good at that level. But let's face it, for as 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 good as I think they are, they still have to win three games in three days in Arch Madness the first weekend in March. It's just the nature of of of, of what it is. Um, same move can be said for Ball State. I would put Purdue Fort Wayne. Purdue Fort Wayne has been really impressive so far. Can't place how they did in the Horizon League open play on Wednesday. And off the top, man, I don't know if the Dons won that one or not. But Purdue Fort Wayne won it DePaul. You know, again, worst right. team in the Big East. Still a great win for anybody in the Horizon League. So, and that team is completely new. That was one of the oldest teams in college basketball last year. I think the average years of starting experience or experience of their starting five last year was about four and a half years in college. So they've completely changed over their team, but John Kaufman's done a pretty good job of restocking that quickly. So um, I would say of, of the mid-majors, Indiana State one, maybe Ball State two, Purdue Fort Wayne three in terms of chances to, to nab an at-large berth in the NCAA tournament. Or, I'm sorry, an automatic qualifier in the NCAA tournament this year. Right, great stuff. Uh, nice run into you yesterday, and uh, we'll be listening coming up Sunday for the postgame show between Colts and Titans. You got it. What time is, is, is Mayo going in the coffee in the show today? 15 minutes the from now. The plop is in 15 minutes. Ugh. Okay, I'll be sure to be not listening oh. in at that time. Thank you, Oh, Lord. come on, Rake. <laughs> Unbelievable. Party pooper here in this holiday season. Greg Rakestraw. Oh, he goodness. Said, you know, no discrimination on any Mayo out there. Mark, uh, yeah. the coffee's being brewed. It's brewing, and it's actually a higher quality because we didn't have any up here, so I just sneaked down to WIBC and steal some. Oh, so we got nice. some, we've got some Starbucks going. Oh, that. oh wow. So we're going to ruin some good stuff. high down there. Yeah. <laughs> I love how we had to sneak down to level four and well, get the I re- good stuff. I like that. Inside I was radio. I wonder where you were. <laughs> we're going. We're, we're, our studio is moving. So it I think is. they're slowly transitioning everything two floors down. Moving so within no, the building, to be yeah, clear. There's no coffee uh, up here, so I had to go downstairs. We're not going to have the beautiful view anymore. We're going to be in a true radio cavern, right? I've called it the uh, the the 
psychiatric ward because there's it's padded <laughs> walls and no windows. Like I said, that's radio, baby. Again, on the college basketball front last night, that was highly entertaining at Hinkle. Uh, great atmosphere for Thad Mata's bunch. Uh, the blue out. They beat Texas Tech in overtime. Jamil Telford, outstanding. DJ Davis. It's a lot of transfers for Butler. Posh Alexander, a triple-double. Uh, but they've had a nice start to this season. And then tonight, Andy, we'll get, it doesn't happen very often in the college basketball Big Ten season that you get Indiana-Purdue backed right up against each other in back-to-back games. 7 o'clock from Bloomington. It'll be Indiana and Maryland. Maryland is 4-3 and three on the year. Indiana's a slight favorite in this one, this is Jordan Geronimo, revenge game, if you will. The <laughs> okay. transfer from Bloomington, he does start for Maryland. Uh, and then obviously Xavier Johnson's health is a big, big question coming into this game. Uh, Michael Woodson uh, was pretty much, if he, can, if he can't play, next man up. We're still evaluating X right now. And then Purdue, their first true road game of the year. And they lost at Northwestern last season, Northwestern. Uh, has just one loss on the season. Uh, Purdue favored by seven and a half in this one. Am I wrong being cocky that I'm not worried about Purdue losing this game like they did last year? Uh, like, I'm not trying to Any put on... Any reason no, in particular not, no, I for just, that? I just think Purdue's the best team in the country. I mean, they could have a, they could have a bad night. I'm not saying that's going to be the, you know, the, that, that they can't have an off night, that they're going to go and win every in game. the road of the Big Ten? I Even do. Welsh I just, Ryan Arena, the nerds will be drunk tonight. But this will just be the this is the beginning of the road, right? It's not the middle of the road where you could trip up. By the way, I'm looking at my guy Alex Bozich inside the hall. Seventeen dollars seats available there in Bloomington. So if uh, you know, you got to get you got to get Coach Sig on the mic at some point tonight, uh, right? Halftime, hundred percent. Press conference at two thirty. There's, there's no doubt. No, he'll get the he'll get the rowdy students going. Speaking of college basketball games, I meant to ask you this, and we'll get to the Colts here in just a second. Did we get the Brian Kelly family uh, at a basketball game? Wasn't yes. that where that quote came from? A hundred percent was. Right? You got to love the football coaches grabbing the mic at the basketball games. He's gonna grab. He's gonna grab the mic. He's gonna he's gonna provide energy. I did see Take what one drag of the dart before he walked. <laughs> Out to midcourt. <laughs> is Kansas UConn this weekend? They are. Are they not, I believe? I thought that was tonight, maybe. Okay, is it tonight? I need to look that up. Did you see? From Lawrence, correct? Yeah, it's from Lawrence. Did you happen to see that students all the way back on like Monday were camping out in the arena for that game? Like, I guess they were sleeping in their seats or they were rotating with this friends. Is allowed? I, I, listen. I'm stunned by it. I saw a video of the student section like, yeah, they were all camping out for the game. I'm like, I, you know, I know in college you do things. It's like the only time you may do it. Right, but I, I'm not slept, sitting in a seat for five days for a basketball game. I've slept in some awkward places, but I don't know if a plastic chair inside of Allen Fieldhouse no. for five straight days. Just let them buy tickets ahead of time. I guess How about we just do that. Anything goes. <laughs> Nine o'clock tonight from Lawrence. Is that it? Nine It'll o'clock tonight? That's hosting. a good game. The defending national champs. Uh, I a good game. Indiana slight favorite tonight, two and a half points. And as we said, Purdue, seven and a half point underdog. Northwestern does have a seven footer for what it's worth, but not a lot of size outside of that. Brooks Barnheiser, the Lafayette native, been very good this year. And again, Boo Booey had a big night against Purdue last season of 26 points. That matchup with Braden Smith will be a fun one to watch. All right, we are going to dump mayo in the coffee coming Oof. up in 10 minutes. That is a preview of Colts and Titans as Will Levis will be the starter. Any other Titans-related storylines? Again, to me, Andy, you go back to that first matchup. You bullied them. You ran it 190 yards in that game. You shut down Henry. Now, the key elements of the bullying 
are missing, in my opinion, from that matchup. You don't have Grover Stewart. They've got Tahir Tart, their kind of their version of Grover Stewart, if you will. Jonathan Taylor didn't have a big game that day, but obviously he won't be playing. Zach Moss had a big game, but again, if you go back to that 50-yard run that Moss ripped off, you watch the replay of that. Multiple Titans defenders are occupied by Anthony Richardson's mm-hmm. presence on the field in that game. So I, I do think you flip the script, you know, two and a half months later. I don't know if the bullying recipe is as apparent. I still think Tennessee's O-line is a question mark, but I don't know if the amount of bullying could be there. Here's the thing with Tennessee. Let me ask you this. I think you guys would be the best to ask about this. If are the Titans when you they're not as bad as Carolina, obviously. They're not uh as bad as the Patriots. We understand that. They're probably more in line of Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is only alive because the NFC South is so bad. I mean, that's the only reason that they have a hope this year. And Tampa Bay is better, you know, with Mike Evans. Baker's better right now than Will Levis. So Tampa Bay is better, but they're not a good team. And I, I can't remember, but they had lost, what, three in a row or like six out of Five seven? Of six, yeah, it was like something that, like yeah. that going in to the Colts game last Sunday, if this were not the muscle memory of Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans who had won five straight before the win a a month and a half ago in Lucas Oil, would we be viewing this the same? In other words, if this, if, if it weren't the Titans, if it were another team who was down on their luck, another team perhaps without a coach that we really respect that it kind of owned the Colts in Mike Vrabel, and it was just some team, name any team, that was a four-win team and that was starting a rookie quarterback who was throwing for under 200 yards a game the last three games, I feel like we would have more confidence uh, on the Colts. And by the way, fans may have a lot of confidence. I might be wrong on that, but I feel like even me, like I would have more confidence. It was easy for me to pick the Colts to beat the Panthers, the Patriots, and the Buccaneers last week. I feel even myself being pulled in the direction that it's a little bit more difficult to do so. And now, obviously, they've been good at home, and that's a huge stat, how good they've been in Nashville. But there is still, I feel like, the muscle memory of what the Titans have meant to the Colts and kind of what Mike Vrabel has been able to do. Does that make sense? And I would add to it, again, the loss of Grover Stewart in a way, Andy, I feel like you kind of played with fire of team. I mean, Tennessee was the worst rushing offense in the NFL. Or excuse me, Tampa was the worst rushing offense in the NFL and they gassed you for six and a half per carry and so now you put Derrick Henry who has done that to you throughout his career I mean honestly what they did to him in October was a very rare Colts game I think that's why you have a bit of a question mark in this one and then again I it's a replaceable position but you still don't have Jonathan Taylor and I brought this up yesterday and I think it's worth going back to go back to the New England game a couple weeks ago that game had one touchdown The one touchdown was scored on a fourth and goal by a very impressive effort by Jonathan Taylor. If that's Zach Moss, I'm not sure if Moss scores on that play. And again, maybe it's unfair to Moss. He's obviously had a very, very nice season. But that, I think, is something you have to keep in mind. Vegas has this as a one-point spread. Mm -hmm. I think at least my score will indicate I expect it to be close. And close games mean, do you settle for three? Or do you convert in the red zone? That's oftentimes what it boils down to. You go back to the first matchup here at Lucas Oil, and Tennessee's driving to take the lead in the fourth quarter. 
and they get a fourth and one at what? Like your 10-yard line, maybe? And DeForest Buckner and Zaire Franklin make a great play on Derrick Henry, and he's stuffed. If that play goes the other way, Tennessee easily wins that game. So I feel like the Grover Stewart not having him in there, the Jonathan Taylor not having him in there, do one of those key third or fourth down moments, do they just go the other way? And is that the difference in this game? There's plenty, I think, of reason on paper for Colts fans to have some optimism. Levis has been inconsistent. Their O-line stinks. As great as Tennessee has been at home, how about the Colts away from home? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're what, like 4-1 and one on the year? And games away from home. So I do think there's evidence there. But again, there's a couple of key parts of how you got the win in Week 5 that are missing here on the, Sunday. They need two interceptions on Sunday. Is that fair? Maybe an interception and a fumble. Yeah, they I, need to create a couple turnovers, the, and Levis hasn't done a lot of that. That surprises me the most. That's a good black and white way to look at it. I'll probably go a little bit more gray area and just say, put Levis in uncomfortable moments. Right. Don't let them get, get on schedule. Don't let him have the seven-step drop, and they protect it up, and, they, and the deep ball gets aired out. Put him in the uncomfortable... Do what you did to Levis, what you did to Bryce Young. You made Bryce Young feel uncomfortable. What did he do? He panicked and threw two balls to Kenny Moore. That, I think, is something that you need to try. You know, you know what I think accomplish. of when I think of Colts-Titans, specifically Colts-Titans last year? We have Matt Ryan. At Tennessee, <laughs> that was the halftime report <laughs> that the Titans were winning and Mike Vrabel it's was just, pissed. It's just so good. They came back to Tracy Wolfson and she said, that's what Frank Reich said. We have Matt Ryan. Now, did she, talk, so to, did she talk to Frank Reich? She didn't did talk she, to She did not Chris Thompson. She did not make that up that we no. have Matt Ryan. That was Ryan. a quote from Frank okay, Reich. And of course, sure. Matt Ryan will be in the booth on Sunday. Andrew Catalan, Tiki Barber, Matt Ryan, A.J. Ross, the... Uh, broadcast crew for CBS here. First time that uh, ex-Colt quarterback Matty Matt Ice. Ryan will be broadcasting. Well, can I his ask you guys team. this? Will you be then? Will Colts fans be listening into Matt Ryan if he makes any sort of a little slight towards the Colts in a three three and a half hour broadcast? I don't know if Matt Ryan's built up <laughs> that venom and or that clout to. The Colts, I, I, and knowing Matt Ryan, I think he'll be pretty generic, politically correct, yeah, and yeah. won't go down. Probably the case that path. We are five minutes away from plopping mayo into coffee oh. again. An ode to Will Levis. Oh. We mentioned it. We did it in April, and I said, and I apologize, Andy. I don't know if you know they went through this during the hiring process of if you say yes, <laughs> and Will Levis is starting at some point this season against the Colts, you're going to have to do it. Here we are. We'll do that in a few. Before that, it's a busy morning checkdown. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Yeah, let's start your Morning Checkdown. Pacers, who fourth quarter, not so good, especially defensively. 142-132, your final there in South Beach. Coach Carlisle postgame on those defensive issues. 132 points is enough points. Um, our problems, you know, were... Uh, we're at both ends, but I think when we look at it, we're going to see that, that, that they were predominantly defensive problems. And so we got we got to make adjustments and, and do better there. 45 points by the Heat in that final quarter. They averaged 110. 142, though, is what they scored last night, KB. Such a disappointing fourth quarter. After really, you had played well through the first three quarters, and they didn't have Bam Adebayo in that final quarter, and they still... Go off. Tyrese Halliburton had a career high 44 and 10. Mentioned this earlier, just a wild stat from ESPN. It makes you want to celebrate and cry all at the same time. Halliburton in November 
28 points, 11 assists, 53% from the floor, 47% from three. If you boil those numbers down to 25 and 10, 50% from the floor, 40% from three, that has been done by two other players in the history of the National Basketball Association. Those two players would be Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Which one's better? Find out next on First Take. Oh, my God. That's a summer <laughs> debate. Dump the right mayo there. down my jugular right You say now. it's summer. They might be doing it today, Mark. Maybe. Uh, and, Mark, you did uh, mention this. Uh, Stephen Rails yes. uh, buying a minority stake in the Pacers up to 20% now in ownership. Uh, Stephen Rails is a DePaul grad. That would be Greencastle DePaul, 72 years old. It was funny. When we went to opening night, I saw him front row sitting next to uh, Dan Towers, who uh, owns GameBridge. And I'm like, well, that dude must be very important if he's sitting up there. And remember, when Rick Carlisle signed his extension, um, one of the people he thanked was Stephen Rails. And I'm thinking, I don't know much about that guy. So I started looking into him um, and got to know him a little bit. He's, you know, I think I, think I saw on the list he's the 373rd richest person in the world or something along those lines oh, here. Is, is that it? Yeah, that is it. Is that it? Uh-huh. He that can't like it. that number. What, up to 20%, you said? Is that what the news was so last night? the statement night? from the Pacers was this, and again, Herb Simon on the statement. My good friend Stephen Rails, who has strong Hoosier ties and is a grad of DePaul University and co-founder of... Danaher Corporation, if I'm saying that right, which is the owner of Indiana-based life sciences company Beckman Mm. Coulter, expressed an interest in acquiring a minority investment in the franchise. After considerable discussion, Stephen's going to become a minority owner of 20% of the franchise, pending league approval. Management of the franchise remains under Simon family control. The Simon family is as committed to Indiana today as we've been since we moved here from New York in the 1960s. So again, I assume... At the passing down to Stephen Simon and full control would happen uh, at some point there. But yes, Stephen Rails, 20% stake. Quickly, college basketball tonight, a doubleheader. Just sit down if you're a Big Ten fan, Indiana or Purdue. 7 o'clock, Maryland, Indiana, three-and-a-half-point favorite are the Hoosiers there at home. Purdue on the road as the number one team in the country, favored six-and-a-half, seven points there at Northwestern. And then, of course, last night, fun game there in Hinkle. Butler winners 103-95. Thad Mata's company uh, team winning in overtime. Good for them. Yeah, big late surge in the second half. They got down there late, um, and then Texas Tech actually hit a layup kind of close to the buzzer there to force it into overtime, but then Butler responded majorly in OT to get that win over Texas Tech. All right, on the other side, we're plopping it. Mayo in coffee. We'll do that next. The All right, so Mark's got this, the Can I see this? Can I see this? Now, you cannot. Oh, my gosh. Mark, that I'll jar is massive. Mark, bring that over here. I'd love to just get a little plop right in the old hot Joe here. All right. Again, this is in honor of Will Levis. Could be the Colts draft pick. God, it is a little bit more horrifying than I than I thought. Yeah, so you admit that mayonnaise is disgusting, right? Uh, by the way, yes. By the way, this expires one month from today. Okay, Do you think Mark is going to? Gonna... All right, great. And, and wait a minute. You bought this when? Nice little oh, plop my God. there. You see that spoon? Let's see if we can get the plop. On the sound effects here, how good are? Oh, that was that was, that was a thick <laughs> right there. That was the most horrific sound known to man. Mine's curdling pretty quick. <laughs> Cheers, gentlemen, <laughs> to potentially Will Levis being oh, the Colts man, quarterback. No. You can't you can't look at it. The NFL draft is tomorrow night. See you on the other side. Get away from me! You're gonna oh, gag. Man. <laughs>
I'll put some blood in your pencil. Oh, hell. I'm not going to lie. When, when a few of the chunks hit your lips, boy, that is that is a tough scene. What's it is, your lips? It's so good. You got I, this, Jake. I, I don't think I can do Jake, it. Jake, two weeks from today for your graduation, for Boo, for Motman, for Shannon. The longer you wait, the faster it turns. So I'd, I'd say Here we down go. the hatch. I thought you were going to oh puke right there on the board. Oh, my God. You know, I, I'm going to be honest with you, Mark. Take this uh, crap away from me. There you go, I, I would say the wilder thing is you bought a jar of mayo that size and it expires in one month. <laughs> you know? I really, really love mayo. Oh, goodness. All right, so that was the Wednesday before the oh, NFL draft in April. I can't believe we're doing this again. And we're doing it again. Jake's not having it. Jake's not even awake right now, probably. Hell no, God bless awake. him at 836. Why can't it be Tannehill starting? Uh, Why can't it be Malik Willis starting <laughs> Sunday? Why can't it be anybody else? So, Come on. Is Billy Volek still a Titans quarterback? So I uh, so I followed Will Levis for a couple years at Kentucky, saw every snap, but I never subjected myself to this, okay? I never stooped that low. So for people that don't know or we don't remember, in this market. we are. Will Levis, uh, when he was at Kentucky, especially that final year, he did it even at the SEC Media Days, KB, I remember him doing it, um, that Will Levis uh, thought he was being funny and put mayo in his coffee at his girlfriend, video him, then girlfriend, video him and everything else, and this was something that he did. It was hijinks. It was funny. I thought he kind of let it go a little bit when he got out of college because he's like, I need a job. I need to get drafted. Regardless, you guys did what you needed to do. Hell yeah. Will Levis put the mayo in the coffee. You guys put the mayo in the coffee. Now we're all, including me, going to put the mayo in the coffee. Mark, can we hear the plop one time? This was the April acoustic plop. Ooh, just sounds beautiful. Whose plop was that? Was it your plop? Was that, it that was Jake's? my plop? Yeah, okay. I mean that was and that was not uh, boosted by any means. That was just up here. Go ahead and unscrew <laughs> the cap there, Andy. Again, Will Levis starting for the Titans coming up this Sunday. Uh, he was really good in their in his rookie debut against the Falcons about a month ago. He has, I think, pretty much just acted like a rookie since. Hey, pretty inconsistent. Right. And you know what? Uh, a big factor we haven't mentioned from that Week Five matchup with Indy: DeAndre Hopkins tore up the Colts. Eight for 140 or yes, something like that. Yes, he did. Like he that. was very good. Hopkins yeah. has really struggled with Levis, or at least maybe really struggled too harsh. He has not put up anywhere near those numbers. I do think that is a storyline to keep an eye on on Sunday, as we have seen uh, the Colts against passing offenses that have a pulse. Uh, some miscommunication issues, to say the least. All right, now this was not bought off the bargain bin, Mark. I don't know if you bought it off the bargain bin last time. It was at Sam's Club, uh, I think. Okay, well, this this is good until July of 2024, KB. So this is not going... I don't know if that to, makes me feel any well, better. It shouldn't make you feel any better, but that was a hang-up with Jake, with Query, was, ah, what's going on here? Is this going to be, you know, is this going to make me feel bad because it might, be, you know, might spoil? So we'll put this in the refrigerator. Now, I was going to take this home. I don't leave this... This here, right? I was going to take it home. This is Duke stuff. This is good stuff. No, <laughs> I mean, right? This is the good stuff. I'm sure Nikki would love a little mayo. Well, I'm not going to leave this with the animals at a sports radio station. And her coffee. All right, I, I'm. I Are you ready, I'm ready to go? I'm All right. Ready. Do, so, do we need to put the mic next to to yeah. to recreate yeah. another plop, or what are we doing here? All right, here we go. Right. You see that? You see that nice oh. circumference on the? You know, plop? I was good until Make sure right the then. The YouTube audience, boy, oh. just as you say that, my Man. stomach just took a little. I, I bit was of a good until you turn. scooped it out. We'll see if we can get the same plop effect. And I, I'm going to move the laptop over a little oh. bit. Hopefully, we don't spill any. All right, here, one, oh. two. Oh. 
kind of a quieter oh, plop than, here at that time, than last time. Should I plop it again? I'm going to spoon it back out and see if I get a little... Maybe if I, I do a little higher in the air. Oh, okay, I heard there that it one. is. All oh, over the boy. notes. Oh, boy. And my hand. Mark, you got a napkin? Uh, No. Gosh, it is all over my hand. I can go get one. Yeah, please. Thank you. I mean, this is just... It, it looks horrific. It's already starting to uh, chunk up. My left hand is covered in coffee with a little bit of mayo residue on it. <laughs> what What's on your notes? What note did the mayo and coffee cover up there? Uh, I have down here Bennett Conlon, JMU uh, Sports on my notes. Bennett. That was our guest earlier to uh, talk about Kurt Signetti. Poor Mark's going to grab me a napkin. Mark, thank oh. you for that. Uh, it is everywhere, to go, say Mark. the least. Here's the mayo. Uh, I'm ready to cheers yeah. when, when you guys are. I, I'm ready. Let's, let's hand it to Mark. Now, Andy, oh. pray for little gas. <laughs> Cheers know, here. Cheers to you. Oh. Again, in honor of Will Levis, the opposing quarterback for the against the Colts this Sunday Ooh. afternoon, here is a sip of a chunk of mayo Ooh. and some Joe. Yeah, not great. Oh, God. Yeah, it's so bad. It's as sour as I remember it. Oh, you know what? It's, it's not bad when My it... My gag reflex is so poor. <laughs> Save that sound. It's oh man. It's not bad for the first second no. or two, and then it's bad. Well, it, it, the worst part is looking at it. Oh, mix it in here. A little I mean, bit. it looks like the moon is in there, or like one of those. <laughs> you know, when you go to the nice restaurants and they bring you like the butter, and it's the you know the circle right. butter, nice, yeah. nice the, looking sphere. Yeah, absolutely, the Full circle moon, butter. That's what it looks like right now, and then all the chunks just kind of play off it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's oh, horrible, man. man. Yeah, it's bad. Oh, well, that's welcome really to the bad. club, Andy. Oh, that's really bad. Yeah, why did he do this? Why did? Why was this the thing that Will Levis decided? I'm going to be quirky I, in this way. I, Out of all the things he could, he's a chiseled six three, six four blonde quarterback. Why did he have to? Who had like a smoking hot girlfriend? Okay, and I'm thought, sure he still does. Why is he having to do this? In order to keep her, the play on the field was too inconsistent. He had to make some aggressive move off the field, and oh. that's that's the epitome of that. God, that's horrible. Oh, and the worst part is it it breaks up. Right, well, when it I starts know. to break up and then, like, you can't avoid it. I'm going to go one more sip here. Okay, I'll do one the, more sip with you. Yeah, yeah. I'll, okay. I'll go one more here before okay. we get back into some Colts and Titans chatter here. Let's hope this is the last game Will Levis ever starts Oh, I just got a chunk of it, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That made it even worse. Yeah, it's got a chunk of it. That's Man, horrible. That's I don't think Mayo will ever look the same to the Sweeney family. <laughs> After that one, yeah, I think I took we took like a, 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 a reprieve from Mayo. After a while. I was like, I can't do it. I need. Well, what did you now, guys if, do after? Did you just break down Colts or or what? You guys, you know, what are they going to take Anthony I Richardson think it was one or more what? Of, All right, what do you think tomorrow night, Richardson or Levis? Hallelujah, it was Richardson on so many levels. Oh, man. I know. I select. I picked Richardson. I think you did too. Yeah, I had Richardson. I think Jake yeah. went Levis. I don't remember. Yeah, I think Jake was on the Levis. Did you guys feel bad for there. Levis when that happened? When he sat there and he had all the well, his sisters him? and his girlfriend. You know, Tennessee had, what, 10th or 11th pick, and they went Peter Skaronsky, the yeah. offensive lineman out of Northwestern. You'll see him in the starting lineup on Sunday. Uh, you know, Levis, we, we we played that clip earlier in the week. He thought there was you know, certainly potential the Colts would take him at four. And, you know, I think there was a lot of chatter, too, that Tennessee could have been a trade-up candidate for Richardson. Oh, sure. With oh. a new GM. Well, Seattle and Richardson, I know you guys had mentioned right. that as well. Right. Uh, let me ask you this, and we're just having fun with this here on, on the fan. My notes are if, ruined. Uh, it, they are. Poor uh, Bennett. Is it Was it Bennett? Yeah, Bennett, Bennett Conlon. Conlon. Sorry. Uh, let me ask you this. If Will Levis would have ended up being picked, whether that 
be fourth overall by the Colts or somewhere else in the draft by the Colts. Second round, whatever it was. How many other gas bag media members do you think would have would have then done the mayo in the coffee? Because I feel like it's just this show. Whether I'm in this seat or Jake has been in this seat, this show, am I wrong, is the only one in Indianapolis that is manned up, if you will, right, that is womaned right. up, if you will, uh-huh. and that has plopped the mayo in the coffee. Yeah, well, I think it honestly was because we were ranked like 21st in the mid-market rankings, so we thought <laughs> the only way to move up was to get some hair on the chest. The, the Barrett and, rankings? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and put some mayo in the coffee. And, okay. and I, I think All we right, inched to 19th after okay. that, so maybe this hey. will get us to 17th. Hey, listen, little by day by day, as Signetti uh, told the Indiana faithful, now you day were, by day. Now, I, you know, we had Teron Davenport on yesterday for the Titans. Titans are ten, uh, four and seven right now. So, you know, I don't think they'll be in that mix, but let's say they end up, whatever, fourth overall pick. Oof. Are you trying to trade up for one of the two? Are you trying to go Jaden Daniels? Are you rolling with Levis and Malik Willis? Well, that, okay, so Malik Willis, you, you got to be done with Malik Willis, right? You got to you got to cut ties there. That was a bad that was a bad pick. I mean the guys had two straight years where you've you know you've got him in the game. It hasn't worked. You gave him preseason reps. It hasn't worked. I think doesn't it just come down to they have a new GM there who will be on a second draft in Tennessee. Doesn't it matter if Vrabel's there? As well, like if you're not going to get rid of the GM and the coach again, you're not going to have a GM for one year. Well, that's the awkward. So, we fired the GM and hired the new guy. We really like the coach. You know that. The, I, I, I'm such a believer that you tie everything at the hip, and I guess the Colts, in a way, are kind of in a similar boat here. Um, you know, that's where you know some of the chatter was. Hey, do you fire Chris Bauer? Right. Well, then you get some power trippy new GM in here, and all of a sudden he's going to say. Hey, Shane Steichen's not mine. And again, Shane obviously has had a really, really good first season here. But are you taking a picture yeah, of I'm taking, the I'm taking a picture. mayo in the yeah. coffee? Yeah, you know, Instagram, throw it out there. Throw it out there on Twitter. Try to get a couple likes. Ryan tweets, sorry boys, had to change the station with all the mayo in the coffee <laughs> business. About crashed my truck. <laughs> I don't think he left. I, I think he listened to that entire thing and I think he tweeted you and I think he came right back to us. That's what I think. It is horrifying. Mayo is one of the uglier looking food items out there. Oh, and I, I know I like it. It's, it's one of those food items you don't want to eat by itself. Well, no. It, 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 it accompanies. It Tell accompanies, me something I don't know. Yeah, it accompanies a turkey sandwich or uh, or something like that very well. But you're not gonna, you know, stick a spoon in it. Listen, I don't know about chances that I don't know about Levis. I I just don't know. Chances that Quentin Nelson douses Shane Steichen and Mayo in the post game locker room on Sunday if the Colts beat the Titans. Zero. Would that be the most unlike Shane Steichen thing you'll ever see? It would have been funny if the Colts drafted Levis. Then, then all of those questions would have went to Ballard and Steichen, yes? And like Jim Bob Gooder. Hey, what did you think of the Mayo hijinks in the pre-draft evaluation? I'm cringing, imagining Shane Steichen answering that. Oh, I am too. But somebody would have had to ask. I mean, you would have had to, right? Step up to the plate. Someone in the media. We've got a busy Friday night and really weekend here in Indy. Again, a reminder, we've got the Big Ten Championship coming up tomorrow. Uh, Shout out to the Iowa faithful for stimulating our economy with their beer drinking over the next... 48 hours, I almost just burped, which could have led, led to something else, if I'm going to be totally honest. Iowa-Michigan tomorrow night inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. That is a 
22 and a half point favorite. Oh boy, I, I, I might have to hit up hit up the bathroom. Are the Iowa break. faithful here? I can take it to break if you need no, me. No, hell yeah, you got the Iowa's garbage. Right, you got the garbage know, right there. Are you going to be able to eat your banana too? By the way, oh, I totally forgot about because that. because that doesn't sound Ooh, good. Add some mayo to the banana. Stop. Stop, 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 stop. <laughs> Do uh, the peel. Didn't Le- Will Levis eat the peel, too? Yeah, yeah I think he did that. that was, you got to draw the line that, somewhere. That was his first hijink, Mark. Is, I think my intestines could handle that. I'm going to eat the peel. barely handle the mayo and the coffee. Yeah, he did the peel first and that, you know, I got a little bit of run on that, but not as much as this entire mayo coffee thing. Again, it's a loaded night basketball-wise here in the state. The back-to-back games, it'll be in Bloomington, Indiana, and Maryland. I would assume Kurt Signetti will be taking the mic down there in front of the Hoosier faithful and then Purdue at Northwestern, the first true road game of the year for the Boilermakers in that. We'll continue to preview it, recap that ugly fourth quarter last night in South Beach, and look ahead to Colts and Titans with Matt Taylor coming up in about 10 minutes. Uh, I'm off to the bathroom. All right, so check out the YouTube. Check out the podcast, 1075thefan.com. You miss anything on the show, including the mayo going in the coffee. Thank you to Will Levis for that. A little bit of it uh, almost just uh, exited, are you okay? exited my body there during Well, the I was wondering, so I went out and dumped mine out. <laughs> Mark, you'll like this. And, you know, I'm going to wh- save one more sip for you, Matt Taylor in the 9 o'clock Okay, hour. you went to the bathroom. I, I went and dumped mine out, and while all of that was going on, like have a have a merry merry Christmas was playing was playing <laughs> happy the holidays yeah happy holidays uh, was playing in the background uh, before we do some Colts NFL stuff again Matt Taylor joins us here in about six minutes do you think Kirk Signetti looks like Tom Crean KB this people is, have said that to me do you think so I'm showing you a picture I'll show the YouTube audience go to Twitter X now is he uh, drinking him- lift off like Crean used to on the sidelines <laughs> I have no I have no idea I don't think he probably has the demeanor of Tom Crean on the sidelines. I, I do, and again, I'm judging him off of a college game day appearance with Pat McAfee. There's a high level of energy there. I mean, you, you, you could feel his presence. There's certainly an energy there. Granted, I couldn't you feel a presence of Tom Allen? I guess I, I don't know. Maybe it's in a in a different way. But yeah, Kurt Signetti again going to join JMV coming up at 5:30 today. Press conference at 2:30. The opening one for him, and um, we'll hopefully have him on next week. Do you find it, uh, just quickly on college basketball front for tonight, you feel more confident about Purdue than Indiana tonight. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. I, I would say, just because I'm dealing with the better team. I'm dealing with Purdue right. and I know... You but know, isn't no- it kind of odd to say that about you know, the road in conference. You know, you always hear about you know, the Big Ten on the road. Um, oh my gosh, that's, you know, it's this vaunted place. Obviously, Purdue's better than Indiana. But Andy, Maryland stinks, right? They're four and three. Yeah, I know, but that's it's still only a three, three and a half point game, right? It's just kind of wild to sit here and say that that you know you are you feel much more confident about you know the road team tonight, whereas the home team in conference is playing a team that's four and three on the year. So the ESPN predictor has Purdue's chance of beating Northwestern at sixty five percent. Indiana's chance in the matchup predictor of beating Maryland at home, 64% chance. I mean, so it tells you it's pretty close. I don't know. I just, for I, I guess I'm bullish on this Purdue team. It doesn't mean they can't have a bad night, but I, I don't know. I mean, learn your lesson from last year type of thing. And they just, they beat three teams 
in the top 10-11. And then on top of it, you know, they played Texas Southern. When was that? Was that Monday or Tuesday? Going back earlier in the week. Was it Monday or Tuesday? I can't remember. Tuesday, whenever it was. So it's not like this is a back-to-back. They played Thursday. They got to play again on Saturday. That Or, you know, tonight. It's not a, you know, a day in between. They've got a chance to get from that Texas Southern game. I don't know. I guess I just believe in, in Purdue going on the road and beating Northwestern. I think they win and I think they cover tonight. I do. I bet both of them. Now I may bet both of them. How about that? Any um, gut feel, Colts Titans? Should we give those picks out? Come up a little bit later. Yeah. Now I'm feeling like your gut feeling is you might go with the Titans. I, I mean, I, that's kind of how I feel you're going to go. I have been I I've gone Colts like four or five straight well, games. Well, I, I have been. I went Colts and almost nailed the entire score last week. I'm probably leaning a 23-20 ish. Colts right now is the way I'm leaning. The reasons, the pass rush, making Will Levis uncomfortable and turning them over. It scares me. Uh, you know, Derrick Henry, what is he going to be able to do? I will say, I mean, they were not good in beating Carolina, were, were the Tennessee Titans. 17 10. Yeah, right? it was 17 10. And in the five games that Levis has been the quarterback, Derrick Henry is about what, 60, I gave the stat out, 63 yards a game, 3.8 per carry, two touchdowns in five games. So it's not like he's been dominant. This is another bad team in the list of bad teams that the Colts have played and will play. And if you want to stick around, you just got to win a game like this. If you, you have to. Tearing the NFL teams. Okay, tearing. Let's go. Carolina and New England would be on what? Tier five? Would you call Tennessee and Tampa on tier four? Probably. Yeah. Probably, I would. Where are the Colts Especially, hovering around three? Two? I, I mean, they're they're upper level three, three, lower level two, probably. Don't you think? I mean, the record is the record when you get down to it. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, joins us next. All right, 9 o'clock hour, hanging out with you in the DriveHubler.com studios. Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Mark Dykton. It is the wake-up call. We put the mayo in the coffee. I'm sure, K- KB, you want to take another swig of that, so I'm going to let you and Matt Taylor deal with that here. Uh, in short order, reminder, you miss any of the show here, any of our shows here on The Fan, check it out, 1075thefan.com. Download the app as well. Take us wherever you want to take us. Stream us, 1075thefan.com as well. All right. Right, let's uh, let's get him going here on the Payless Lakers Hotline. Matt Taylor, the voice of the Indianapolis Colts, joins us here. His normal 9 a.m. Friday slot. Matt, good morning, sir. How are you? What's going on, fellas? Happy Friday to you. Well, happy Friday to you. Do you want to do this? Uh, I don't know if you heard. We did the mayo 30 minutes ago in the coffee in honor of uh, one William Levis. So, KB, take it away. Do you want to take one more swig or, would, or are you, you going to punt? I would hope that Matt Taylor and Rick Venturi will do the same oh, coming I'm sure up they will. 1 o'clock Sunday. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I would hope. Yeah. Yeah, in a, in a in a showing of solidarity, yeah. solidarity with the with the with the morning goobers. That's exactly what we're going to do here. Yeah, what, yeah, what did you call us? Tops of our list. What did you call us? Now I will say this about Sunday, and then you know we're kind of nerding out, but and you can fill us in. Uh, from what I recall, you've got one of the. I would say that Nashville and that stadium is one of the best views that you have all year, right? Um, it's it's okay. It's oh, okay. Just okay. My, 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 my favorite booth is Cincinnati. Cincinnati is pristine because it's a good location, not too high, not too low. It's wide. Isn't Foxborough right? good? Foxborough is great. Tennessee's okay. It's 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 a little bit low, and I think they've moved us the last couple of years. We used to be closer to the fifty yard line. Now we're at, at about 
like the 25 on mm. whatever end is as closest to the river there. Um, I'm not sure in terms of directions, but it's it's okay. Listen, I mean, the play-by-play griping about the booth and location, that's that's uh, that's a tale of well, old as yeah. time. You're too oh, close honestly, to the field. If, yeah. you, uh, if you want to be closer to the 50, drink a little mayo and coffee, and you'll oh. be right back there. <laughs> go to the bathroom. Yeah, uh-huh. Right, here yeah. we go. Here we I'm going to have one more sip. You guys can take it and move on to the uh, you know week well, 13. Let's li- and well, hang on. Let's listen in. Oh, it sounded disgusting. That sounded bad. Go ahead, Matt. When that chunk hits the lips. I mean, I know all about the Will Levis infamous mayo and coffee, but my my question is, how does how does one figure that's how does one figure out that's a good combination? Like, how how do you how do you just open up the fridge one day and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put mayonnaise in my coffee. You know, you I preach, there? preach. I don't know what you did at Franklin in, in college. <laughs> I'm sure you did some stupid things in your time there. You probably ate some things you know, that you might have had some morning regret of, but I could not agree more. As, with his girlfriend. This is not like, you know, stupid human tricks or, you know, Friday of Little Five. I mean, what are we doing here? <laughs> You're right. You're right. You know, it's one thing like to be dared at, at three o'clock in the morning, sure. buddy. You know, after having some just some dead soldiers in the corner, and then you're like, "All right, I'll just you know, I'll, I'll be stupid. I'll be the guy that puts mayonnaise in my coffee." But then to like like it and to right. prefer it, it's it's just baffling. Yeah, he did the he did like the SEC media day, so he's like stone cold sober, uh, sober, you know, at like noon in Birmingham, whatever they do uh, the SEC media day. So, well, some fun there. We we will I'm sure go to the YouTube if you want to watch any of that. I guess let's start with Levis. Um, you know, this pass rush for the Colts, what eleven sacks in the last couple games, but really just dialing up the pressure, and also some of these guys just flat out getting home. They finished the game last weekend. To me, getting to Levis, making him uncomfortable, and then on top of it, Matt, you know, he only has two interceptions in five games at Kentucky. He was kind of a turnover machine, getting him to turn the ball over as well. That seems like the recipe in beating the Tennessee Titans. What do you make of that defensive line versus Will Levis on Sunday? Yeah, that's been the part of this three-game winning streak for me that's most encouraging. You know, you, you, you take a lot of optimism going forward in the final six games of the season, considering the way the Colts are winning up front with their pass rush. It's not just DeForest Buckner anymore, right? It's not Buckner beating a double team and still, you know, putting pressure up the middle, um, you know, getting in the face of a quarterback uh, up the middle of the pocket. It's now, guys, to your point, Andy, winning on the outside and winning their one-on-one matchups. I mean, Dio Adangbo's got six-and-a-half sacks now in the season with four-and-a-half in the last couple of games. Uh, you look at Quiddy Pay, you know, his next sack, that'll represent a career high for him over six sacks for the year. Samson Ebicom has six sacks. So, you know, it's a lot of diversity right now. It's a lot of guys winning their one-on-one matchups. And the good thing for Gus Bradley is, is they're getting home without having to blitz a lot, which is kind of the hallmark of, of – his defense, you know, the way that he principally wants to play, he doesn't like to blitz a lot. So the, the, the front four organically winning and providing the pass rush is really kind of music to his ears. And now that being said, to your point, Will Levis, he's a rookie and the, and the sample size is very small. I mean, this upcoming game on Sunday is going to be his sixth game. But he has shown that when he's not blitzed, like any quarterback, right, when he's got time and he's protected and he can read and diagnose and use that accuracy, he's pretty good. He's got near 100% or I should say 100 passer rating when he's not blitzed, uh, which, again, is just pretty darn good with the small sample size. So might this be, you know, a game where a couple weeks ago the Colts 
uh, when they played another rookie quarterback and 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 Bryce Young. They heated him up pretty good, and the Colts had five sacks in that game. They had three turnovers, two pick sixes uh, from Kenny Moore. Might they go back to that game plan? And that ideology, you know, to get after a rookie quarterback, make him feel uncomfortable, give the ball up a couple of times, and send some extra people outside of that front four that is winning up front because Levis is 2-0 and at home. He's got four touchdowns, no picks, and his passer rating at home is 110. And he, just like the rest of their team, uh, completely different at home this year compared to on the road. So that's going to be interesting to me is, is how aggressive the Colts are in terms of sending extra people at the rookie quarterback, knowing their pass rush right now is playing its best football of the season. He is Matt Taylor. He's too soft to put mayo in his coffee, and he is with us here on the Payless Liquors. Guilty. Guilty. Raise my hand, guilty. Hotline. Uh, You got an analogy for us? I've loved your Friday analogies that you've shared with us about Colts games this season. I I mean this in all seriousness. I think they've been outstanding. Uh, You got anything for us here as we get a, I guess this is what, the second rematch of the year for the Colts? Yeah, I mean, maybe another bad analogy is, you know, like you, you started the first semester really good. Remember like your first semester um, in, in high school, you, you come out strong, right? You get a couple A's, some B's, and you got a solid GPA. You're feeling good right now. And that's where the Colts are at. They're, they're feeling good going into the home stretch. You know, they, they've raised that GP up to a respectable, you know, 3.5, between 3.5 and 4.0. They're in the mix, you know, to be on the honor roll. And that's where the Colts are at right now in the mix of the, the AFC playoff pecking order. But you got to continue to bring it because there's a semester left. And this semester is more intense than the first semester. Um, you got six games left. You know, there's a bunch of teams right now, right? You got 10 AFC teams entering Sunday with at least six wins. You know, the, the division winners right now are, are pretty solidified, but that wild card race. It's somewhat of a mess right now. You got six games to go. You got about uh, six teams that are jockeying for three AFC wild card spots. The Colts are squarely in that mix. So there's my bad analogy, right? You got to like back it. up the first <laughs> semester with a solid and even better second semester. Mm-hmm. And I love, I love the rematch, you know, quality about this game too, because even though Tennessee is what four and seven, and they're probably not going to make the playoffs this year, this team and and this rivalry still exists and Tennessee still quite frankly does not like the Colts I mean I saw a quote the other day from Arden Key you know one of their upcoming uh up and coming uh, pass rushers that they're down in Tennessee I love this quote and I wrote it down he said I think this is probably to a reporter in the locker room he said quote every team has that one loss that one blank whooping that goes uh, above and beyond during the season he said that game the first time we played the Colts that was the game for us. And so I think, you know, even though it was a, a kind of a close game on the scoreboard, right, the Colts won 23-16, to 16, it really wasn't that close in terms of the feel and just the way the Colts dominated that game, especially up front on offense. The offensive line pushed them around. Zach Moss ran for, a, you know, a career-high 165 yards in that game. I mean, Moss in that game, I went back and, and did the math on it, he had 11 runs in that game with at least five yards. And this is a, a defense that prides themselves, or at least did pride themselves, on being able to stop the run and control the line of scrimmage. They've kind of fallen off in that regard. So I think Tennessee playing at home, trying to split this, the, uh, the season series with the Colts and get some revenge on them, knowing they're in the thick of a playoff uh, chase, the Colts that is, 
they would love to play spoiler and kind of ruin the trajectory that the Colts are on right now, considering what happened to the Titans eight weeks ago in week five. I guess to kind of continue that, you know, uh, first semester analogy, in a way, I look back at the first meeting, Matt, and think, okay, you know, theoretically, you're taking a very similar test, you know, whatever, geometry, and this is another geometry test. But I feel like the questions are much different because of how much has changed personnel-wise from that right. first matchup. The quarterbacks are different. Grover Stewart's not in the lineup. Bernard Ryman is in the lineup. You know, you don't have a Jonathan Taylor. Um, Tahir Tart is a key piece for Tennessee's run defense, and you ran all over him back in week five. So I feel like I didn't, I don't know if I felt this way when the rematch happened against Jacksonville. Maybe I did a little bit. Um, but I feel like this game, this rematch, and part of it's, I guess it was two months ago, uh, that a lot has changed, though, from what happened in that Colts win back at Lucas Oil Stadium to what is available to both teams coming up on Sunday. Yeah, and to take the the analogy, you know, the, the cheesy analogy a step further, you know, the Colts are they're a they're a you know a, a, a student that studies that's really studious that takes the academic seriously, but they've been throwing a lot of curveballs, right? They were throwing a, a pop quiz at them that they didn't study for that they weren't ready for, and they bombed it. And that's the adversity the Colts have been faced have faced this year with Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor in and out of the lineup, kind of starting and stopping and stopping his, uh, his, his season, you know, Grover Stewart. So to your point, this is going to be a completely different game. It's got a different feel about it going into this one compared to, you know, early October. Gardner Minshew is going to start. Uh, Zach Moss is going to be the bell cow running back for the Colts on Sunday. You know, that's not completely different from week five. But, you know, you're not going to have Jonathan Taylor. And the defense, like I said, from Tennessee, they're going to have a chip on their shoulder. And schematically, they're going to play – they just are. They're going to play completely different in this game. You know, and in week five, they kind of went to their base defense, that, that over uh, front uh, where they have that little natural bubble, not to get too overly schematic, but, you know, they've got that natural bubble between the defensive tackle and the nose tackle. They're not going to do that. They're going to go back to what the Colts have historically uh, had trouble with the last couple of years, whatever you want to call it, the double sink, the diamond front. Rick Venturi calls it the bear front. The Colts have had a hard time racking up big games on the ground when they face that type of front. Tennessee's smart. That's what they're going to do. There's no doubt about it. They're going to play a lot more physical or try to in this game on Sunday based on the quotes you're getting from their locker room. Um, so this, this has a really important feel about it because of the swing nature of this game. You know, if you follow the playoff odds, you know, the Colts go up from like a like a 42% chance of making the playoffs as of right now. It's like almost a 60% chance of making the postseason if they can get this win, win four in a row, and continue to stack wins. But AFC wins, that'll help the Colts down the stretch in terms of tiebreakers that they might have on other teams. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor with us here. Pay less, Liquors Hotline. For, uh, Football Friday here on The Fan. I, I want to, okay, so I was going to ask you about JT, and then you talked about that bear front, and that's also something that I had written down. You look at the last three games, 70 yards rushing for the Colts, 78, and then against Tampa Bay, 155. When you're talking with Coach up there in the booth, what were they doing last week to get the run going when even in these wins the last few weeks they had not been running the football at a high clip yeah it's 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 diversity you know it's it's not just the outside zones it's not just the inside gap runs 
you know, they're, they're pulling guards and they're, they're whamming people with, you know, uh, with, with, with tight ends coming across the formation and kicking out, you know, defensive tackles and defensive ends. So that, that's to me, the most encouraging part about this offense under Shane Steichen is just the diversity. It's the innovation that you see on a week-to-week basis. And so, again, I don't expect the Colts to flirt with 200 yards rushing in this game like they did back in Week 5, but you've you got to be able to sustain drives and stay on the field because that's exactly what Tennessee wants to do. They want to win this game ugly and nasty and early December outside football, right? They want to win the game similarly to how the Patriots wanted to win a couple weeks ago in Germany, low scoring, kind of two to three scores, right? Whether it's 13 to seven or 10 to six, they want to shorten the game with long sustained drives. And that's where the Colts have to kind of rebuttal that with, you know, some, some physicality of their own and some time of possession of their own, because what you can't do is be susceptible to not being able to stop Derrick Henry and then not move the ball on your own on offense. Uh, last one for me, Matt. You know, I, I give you guys credit, and we played the sound on Monday of Lara Overton having the report there on you guys' broadcast of the right hand being dealt with with Jonathan Taylor. On Carissa Thompson-like, Lara yeah. Overton in <laughs> yes, that moment. Yes, exactly. Right. And, and so because a lot of times you're wondering, okay, why the entire second quarter, you know, Taylor's been so good, why is he not in? Not that Moss isn't a good player, but Jonathan Taylor had kind of got it going, and so uh, you guys gave some great insight there when you knew that and maybe not everyone in the stadium or people watching on TV, could you or Coach notice any difference in the second half with Jonathan Taylor? And then obviously, how big of a loss is that for the next couple weeks? Well, I didn't notice anything, to be honest with you. And, you know, to be fair, obviously there's a lot going on. You know, it's a game of chess uh, during the game um, with your brain and, and your calls and incorporating all that you have to, to balance throughout the course of the game. Um, so I really didn't think anything of it in terms of it being a major injury at the time, just because Jonathan never left the game, right? He didn't leave the game early. He didn't go back to the locker room and then not come back. So really didn't think anything of it. And, and quite frankly, when he ran in the second half, he ran hard. And, you know, there wasn't any issues, obviously, with, with ball security and, and stuff like that. So, you know, that was a surprise to me, like it was a lot of people when I got the news of that on you know, early Tuesday morning about the injury and having to have surgery and, and, and where we're at right now with that. But, you know, to be honest with you, the Colts have been so fortunate to have Zach Moss that I'm not really concerned about the running game. Now, don't get me wrong. Would you like to have Jonathan Taylor on, on your team getting 20 carries a game? Yes, absolutely. I mean, don't be ridiculous but because Jonathan Taylor is a, a top five running back in the NFL. But guess what? Zach Moss is a top 15 running back in the NFL. I mean, he's he's been so steady for this team. And, you know, Tim, him taking on this opportunity to be the main guy within the running game is not foreign to him. He's already done it twice um, with the Colts since being traded for in the middle of last year, right? The last four or five games last year, he rushed for over 300 yards. And then from weeks two to six this year, in that span, he led the NFL in rushing. He led the NFL in terms of uh, carries per game, averaging about 19. And, you know, you go back to him being in college at Utah. He was a three-year starter and the bell cow running back for a really good, you know, Utes team. So this is not foreign to him. He's going to be ready. And I still think the Colts are going to be productive in the running game the last six games or for the last, you know, handful of games um, upcoming for, for Jonathan Taylor to come back. We'll see about that in terms of the timeline. But, no, I don't think you're going to see any drop-off from, from Taylor to Moss because 
maybe Moss doesn't have the burst that Taylor does and the ability to rip off, you know, 70-yard runs, but he's still ripping off runs over 10, um, you know, getting out of tackles. He's elusive. He's got that great spin move. I think Shane Steichen called it his his nimble running ability. Um, so there's really not a whole lot of drop-off between Taylor and Moss. That's why when Taylor went out of the lineup last week, there was no panic uh, panic for that short period of time when he was dealing with the hand or getting it looked at because you knew you had Zach Moss that's still going to grind out you know four over four yards per carry for the game. I mean Moss had, Moss is averaging over he's got more yards per carry this year than Jonathan Taylor does. So he's a really good back, and I just don't think the Colts are going to sense a significant loss in their running game with number 21 back there. You're going to hear his voice 1 o'clock on Sunday. Our coverage begins at 10 a.m. as the Colts take on the Tennessee Titans here in what, and I guess you insert this statement for every game the rest of the way, and what is a big one coming up in Nashville. Matt Taylor, as always, enjoyed it. Enjoy Nashville, and we will talk to you uh, next Friday, man. I appreciate you, boys. Uh, keep your head above water with this rain going on here, and have a good weekend, all right? Yeah, it's an ugly one out there. You too, man. See you. That's what Matt the, Taylor. It's what the Iowa fans deserve. This They love this. Iowa fans, let's this play the game outside. Open the roof. Yes. Let's go. Open the roof. Uh, Mark, I sent you some sound after the break. I want to listen to it just to tease this. I think I – think, Harbaugh may have slighted Iowa pretty big going into this game. Ooh, okay. okay. Tell me more. And me and Mark love uh, Jim Harbaugh, obviously. Oh, next Bears head coach. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, we, we love the guy. He's he's, you know, cheaters we, always we, win. We, we, yeah, when you think of when you think of greatness, that that's what you think you of. Think of integrity. You think of Coach Harbaugh. Certainly, it's a big one. I will say, he's stopping to hear it. Uh, you know. What's the uh, what's the clothing store across from Buca de Beppo right here? TJ Maxx. TJ Maxx or some khakis? Does he need an extra pair of khakis here? Where do you I don't get know. some? Where do you get some khakis downtown Indianapolis? I will say I was listening to Jake yesterday, uh, and I meant to text him this. Uh, Jake Query was talking so well of Nashville. Like, he loves Nashville. And I got thinking, I think this, I think I disagree with Jake more than I've ever disagreed with him on anything. Is his really? love, you, you're is an anti Nashviller? Ah, I've been there, done that. Too I was, much for you? I was there before it was cool. There's different speeds of Nashville, yes. to be fair. Broadway yes. goes a little bit Indy 500 like. <laughs> uh, the other ones, you can dial it back a little bit. If you, Grand Ole Opry speed, maybe, if you would like Mark, to. Mark, you were just there, right? Yeah. Grand Ole Opry uh-huh. a couple weeks ago. By the way, Mark's leaving us next week. He's going to be in Disney again. Yeah. Second time in like two and a half months. Well, this Swear was, he's in like the Mickey suite or well, something. This was, <laughs> this was a, uh, a, a vacation that got postponed because my parents accident last year so it was supposed to happen a while ago but now they're back on their feet and fully healthy getting to go to disney with the granddaughters for the first time so that's what I we're doing it. that's nice use up the vacay days You're before right. the end of the year jeremiah i laughed at this one i believe coach harbaugh shopping at leon's tailoring <laughs> i could actually see jim there for that uh you know we've fallen into this trap a lot this year andy and understandably colts play at one o'clock every sunday now, again, the announcement yesterday for those that missed it, the next home game for the Colts. So they're on the road in Nashville this weekend, 1 o'clock. They're on the road in Cincinnati next Sunday at 1 o'clock. They will then be on a short week on December 16th. The Colts will host the Steelers. It's the lone home game in the month of December. That will be a 4.30 kickoff on NFL Network. I believe CBS 4 is picking it up here locally. Um, but on that Saturday, Andy... Oh, it's loaded. We will have 
IU and Kansas at 12.30 inside of Assembly Hall. We will have Colts and Steelers at 4.30 at Lucas Oil Stadium. We will have number one Purdue versus number two Arizona also at 4.30 at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. I guess we're going to throw Ball State, Indiana State leading into the Purdue game over <laughs> at Gamebridge. Uh, and you've got the Pacers in Minnesota that night. So that is one of the wilder crazier sports days you're going to see. I am selfishly a little bummed for Purdue fans that one versus two overlaps with Colt Steelers. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I am a little bit. Not as much as you. It is too bad they don't get the standalone. I will say, that's one of those days I'd love to own a parking lot downtown Indianapolis. Oh my gosh, boy, you imagine? Jacking up those parking prices, jacking aren't up they? Those prices. Holy cow. And, and boy, Ooh. if I had to guess, I, there's going to be a good amount of terrible tiles inside of Lucas Oil. There always is. You think? There always is for that one. Matt Taylor mentioned this. Again, I got a story up on 1075thefan.com. If you want more of an in-depth look at playoff standings and chances and odds, etc. With a Colts win, and obviously this will pend on other results here the rest of the year, a 55% chance if the Colts win to make the playoffs, a 27% chance if they Lose All these games, I feel like, and you mentioned it at the end of the interview, I feel like it's corny analysis saying it's such a big game. But all these games, I mean, this is what the Colts have done thus far has got them to the point to where we enter December talking about these games in the very same manner, right? How big these games are. This is what you want. It's it's kind of generic analysis, but it is what it is. I mean, if you want to make the playoffs, even though it's a road game against a team that hates you, you go on the road and, and you beat a team with a rookie quarterback and a team that has nothing to play for other than they don't like you. Well, that's fine that they don't like you. They also aren't a good football team. Right? I mean, they're not a good team. They're uh, a four-win team. Thank you to Greg for this. For some reason, I thought December only had 30 days. Uh, that Raiders game is December 31st, so that will be New Year's Eve. And I always feel like they play the Raiders like the second-to-last game of the season. The Raiders. That's when we did the uh, shrimp cocktail eating contest. That is, yeah. <laughs> so that was, boy, that started the downfall, right? That was Colts mm-hmm. beat the Raiders, and they get in, and they yeah. lost to Rich Bisacci in the interim, and then lost in Jacksonville the next week. Jake yeah. fake COVID, so he didn't have to do it, so Jake. I had to Fake sub COVID. in. Yeah, I forgot <laughs> yeah. about that. Okay, so help me here. You guys did, did a, a shrimp, shrimp eating contest. Eating con- which I believe Joey Chestnut's doing one tomorrow somewhere downtown for those oh, is he? looking to see uh, one of the greatest athletes of all time uh, compete. Jaws. Uh, yeah, Mark and I did this before okay. the Colts Raiders game. This had been the 2021 mm-hmm. season. And Mark was victorious. I brought milk. <laughs> I was told by Joey that that is a good yeah. mechanism to kind of offset. Uh, some of the tang from the St. Elmo okay. shrimp cocktail eating okay. sauce. Uh, and Mark was a very deserved champion. Mark, do you still have the belt? I have the championship belt. Congratulations. Yeah. I, I saw that belt and I was like, I'm not losing this thing. But Jake <laughs> faked COVID to get out of doing it. Uh-huh. Such an in thing to do. Well, back then, yeah. Like, yeah. Could, could have cleared him up a little bit, you know? It, it, could have cleared it, that snot up was. just a little bit. All right, pop quiz in a few. 317-239-1070 for that. Uh, let's lead off with that ugly fourth quarter last night. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
Yeah, like KB mentioned, 45 points allowed by the Pacers in the fourth quarter. Losers to the Heat in South Beach, 142-132. Mr. Do-Everything, Tyrese Halliburton postgame on the loss. Uh, it's frustrating right now. I think we're just in a frustrating place in the season right now. Uh, but we got to figure it out. we got to come together. Um, it's a time where, you know, you can split or come together and figure it out. And, uh, you know, I think we'll do the latter. You know, I, I believe in this group and, um, you know, some defensive lapses. Uh, let them get a run going there and just not getting good shots offensively. Um, but, yeah, we, we, we can be better for sure. Can Playing I, defense would help. Okay, can I ask you guys something? at the Mark, I, I think you can do this on Adobe. Near the end, I have heard this with Halliburton sound this year. His voice changes. His voice changes. I know. Can you I've heard that as well. <laughs> I know. I'm Give always, me the like, last five off, seconds of it. I'm always caught off guard by it. You know, I think we'll do the latter. You know, I, I believe in this group and, um, you know, some defensive lapses. Uh, let them get a run going there and just not getting good shots offensively. <laughs> I know. I'm always thrown off by I, it. I, I thought at first there was an issue with the recording. Yeah. But then uh, I went uh, back and watched, like, organically his press conferences, and it's like he has a frog in his throat, and his voice changes. I know. I feel like I'm listening to Tone Loke, Mark, a little bit. <laughs> There. This is, a, this is not a slight at Tyrese Halberton, but it reminds me of like, remember Steve Urkel will become Stefan. Stefan. Machine. <laughs> Stefan like Urkel. changes like, hello, baby. You know, it, what Halberton said there, that's kind of what I tweeted out last night after the game of obviously beyond disappointing fourth quarter. No Bam Adebayo for Miami, and you let that one get away. Give up, what, 40? Was it 45? 45 in the fourth quarter. I mean, that is embarrassing, especially to a Miami team that's not some potent offensive team. One home game, Andy, between now and December 18th, and that one home game is against the best team in the league in the Boston Celtics Monday night in the quarterfinal of the in-season tournament. We are going to learn a whole lot about this team. It is a look-in-the-mirror moment without question. Obviously, we think we know. They're great offensively. Halliburton should be an MVP candidate, and they can't guard you or me. That you know, If you just want to boil it down, that's probably what we've learned about the Pacers through the first month-plus of this season. But, man, are we going to learn a lot. I, it, it is worrisome. I mean, they could be. We could walk in here Tuesday, and they could be under 500. Gosh, it's been a while. I mean, we Has could. Has that happened all year? I mean, we no. I mean, we could look in here. They could be 9-10 and 10 on the season. Absolutely could happen. Quickly, college basketball, Indiana and Purdue both in action tonight. Indiana hosting Maryland there in the Big Ten. Favored by about 3, 3.5 there in Bloomington. Purdue on the road, favored by about 6.5 at Northwestern. I've been bold that Purdue's going to win and cover, so I'm sure if they lose and don't cover, I'm going to be you know crushed by Purdue fans. That's fine. And then last night, 103-95, Butler winners over Texas Tech in an overtime game in a fun game there in Hinkle. High-scoring game. Again, a nice start to the second season for Thad Mott. A couple notes on Indiana Purdue for tonight. We'll see about Xavier Johnson. Sounds definitely questionable to play in this one for Indiana. And then for Purdue, you'll remember last year they lost at Northwestern. Zach Eady was Zach Eady, but Purdue got no help for Eady in that one. Boo Booey, who is back for Northwestern, one of the better guards in the Big Ten. 26 points in that one. That matchup with Braden Smith will be a fun one to watch. Mackenzie Holmes and the IU women also got a solid win against Maine last night. 67-59 for Terry Morin's bunch there. 22-7 and for Mackenzie Holmes on the road. Speaking of last night, it was a wild Thursday night football game. Uh, you had no punts in that game. Seahawks and Cowboys. 41-35. Cowboys win that one. They score the final 14 points of the game. Only the fifth time in NFL history that neither team has punted in a game. I don't have the patience to 
Jack with you today. By the way, CeeDee Lamb, four straight games with a touchdown. Prescott, 299 and three touchdowns. Geno Smith, 334 and three touchdowns. Get your damn act. The over-under was like 48-49. Dallas had 41 by themselves. 14 straight home wins for the Cowboys. They will host the Eagles coming up next week. Uh, And then again, getting you set for college football on our airwaves tonight. It is a great one and a big one. That is Oregon and Washington. It's pretty much, right? Winner gets in for the playoff here. Washington beat Oregon earlier this year, but Oregon is a 10-point fair. Am I missing something? Did Michael Penix not make the trip well, I mean, to Vegas? Know, I guess Washington not playing as good a football as Oregon. I don't know. Can you beat a team twice? I mean, Washington struggled with Washington State, needed a game-winning field goal. I'm just I'm reaching points? here. I know. It's a it's a lot of points. And, you know, the Pac-12, the Pac-12 winner here is going to be in with all the weeping and gnashing of teeth with that conference splitting up. They're going to be in. By the way, just a note, it's thought of Florida. Florida State only favored by one and a half against Louisville now. Florida State might be on their third string quarterback in that game. I believe the committee wants Florida State to flat out lose that game so they don't have to put them in the college football playoff and they can put a second SEC team in or they can put Texas in. One or the other. I firmly believe that. Can we? Championship weekend getting you set before one of my favorite games of the year, and that is Army and Navy coming up next Saturday from Gillette Stadium. All right, on the other side, it is time for the pop quiz. We've had some very nice efforts on the pop quiz. I don't know if that's indicative of the teacher this week and the softness to the pop (laughs) quizzes or what. Uh, I tend to look at this one and think, oh boy, Uh, good luck. 317-239-1070. Freebie (laughs) Friday for the pop quiz. All right, Freebie Friday here on the Pop Quiz. Reminder, uh, in our final segment, we'll give you our picks on what uh, is going to happen, or if we're wrong, what's not going to happen (laughs) in Tennessee coming up on Sunday. Uh, You ready to go? I've looked at this. I don't think it's... I don't think it's too bad. I mean, the last question's always a haymaker, but that's that's what Scotty does, you know? I think the last one's just stupid. That's just me. <laughs> um, and we will. It is a freebie Friday, so Jiffy Lube will change going to our contestant today, Mark Dykton. Um, let's go with number. Let's do number four, Bruce. 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 How are you doing? Hey, Bruce. How are you? How are you doing? Good. Bruce, are you a Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Bowen fan, Bruce, uh, Bruce. Jenner? <laughs> Not a Bruce Jenner fan. Okay, well, cross that Boy, one off you, the list. You got up in the air on Bruce, and you thought, uh, oh, well, who's a Bruce? You thought, thought of about t- a third one, yeah. and I said it out loud and thought, nah, I don't know if that Bru- one's going to land. Bruce Smith. How about that? Bruce, Bruce Matthews. Bruce, yes. Bruce Smith was pretty tough, and yeah. Earl Bruce was a good coach for Iowa. Sure, sure, sure. Bruce Smith could kick some you-know-what there. Uh, Bruce, you've got a great voice. Uh, have you ever used that professionally? No, I would have loved to. I would have loved to do what you're doing and have been a sportscaster. Gosh, he's got a hell of a voice, doesn't he? You it? really do. Do some do some voiceover work. Cut some yeah. commercials for the fan or something. I like that. Call, call me anytime. I'd love to do it. <laughs> I love that. Bruce, uh, what, what part of town you live on? I'm up in Carmel. Okay. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, east or west side? I grew up on the east side. Uh, West Side, 136 and Ditch. Okay, I was over on 136. So, so you, got, you guys rivals then? Uh, one's East Side, one's West yeah. Side? Or Trojans you... versus okay. Cougars. Uh, Clay Junior High and the Carmel uh, Cougars, uh, I think it was. Which Carmel <laughs> Cougars, I guess, would be taking a lot of ways uh, with that. Yeah, now you got Garen High School over there. Now you got, yeah, you got you got Garen over there. Yeah, Is Carmel ever going to build a second public high school? 
No, I think they uh, some of the uh, forefathers didn't want to dilute the sports, pro- uh, you know, teams. I think and the, uh, the thirty-six straight uh, girls uh, swimming <laughs> state titles. They don't want to jeopardize that anymore. Is that unreal? That's like a national record. Yeah, it is absolutely unreal. It is kind of crazy to me not to go down a path here. Like their football program hasn't been better here in recent years, but I guess Westfield and some of the Fisher schools, nonetheless. Uh, all right, uh, Andy Swinney, you want to throw number one yeah. at, at Bruce? All right, Bruce, let's go. Let's get a winner here on this Friday. The Colts traveled to Nashville on Sunday to face the Tennessee Titans. Who leads the all-time series? I would have to say Nashville. You sure? Uh, No, no, I guess, uh, you know, early when they went to the playoffs, early 2000s, but... Uh, I think Colts overall. Yeah, Andrew, ne- Andrew Luck never. Years. Yeah, Andrew Peyton Luck never years. lost to the Titans as well, along with Peyton's obviously his dominance there. Okay, number two here, Bruce. The Pistons dropped a franchise record 16th straight game last night, falling to the Knicks at MSG. Who holds the record for the longest losing streak in NBA history? Is it the Grizzlies, the Cavaliers, the 76ers, or the Bobcats? Uh, I think it's the Cavaliers. What was the phrase? Was this to trust the process? Trust the process? No. Oh. Who was trust the process? You remember, Bruce? Give me those choices again, please. <laughs> yeah, Bruce, one more time here. It's the Grizzlies, Cavaliers, 76ers, and Bobcats. Uh, let's go with uh, the Bobcats. By the way, the Bobcats, is what a terrible name for an NBA team. I'm sorry. It's a terrible name. All right, question number three, Bruce. Former Pacer Primos Brezic on the Bobcats, maybe, Scotty, in the expansion draft. What a name there. The Pistons went 0 for November, becoming just the 13th team in NBA history, Bruce, to go winless for an entire calendar month. Name the last team to go winless in a full month of play. Was it the Spurs, the Sixers, the Cavs, the Warriors? Again, trust the process here, Bruce. Oh. Yeah, but I think I missed that yeah, the last time. I think you did. <laughs> yeah. I don't know uh, another hint to give you on this. I got to apologize. Uh, okay, it was Spurs, Cavaliers. What were the other two choices? Spurs, Sixers, Cavs, Warriors. Let's go with the Sixers. Bruce, you ever been to Dulio Tools, downtown Carmel? You know, that's Just the one downtown. I haven't been to. I've been to Muldoon's and stuff, but a number of times, especially for St. Patrick's Day, but haven't been to Julio Tools. I have to do that. It's a great, great spot. They're just south of downtown in Carmel. Um, Okay, number four here on this day in 1964, the Houston Major League Baseball franchise changed its name to the Astros. By what name did the Houston Astros go by for their first three seasons? Uh, um, it was uh, Colt 45s. Look at this, oh, man. Bruce. Man, Look he may that. not know the 76ers, but he knew his Colt uh-huh. 45s. It's a great name, by the way. Baseball. Yeah, that's great. All right, well, here we, we go. go. Baseball ended. Hey, you'll like it. Question number Richards, five, Bruce. That pitcher Richards that ended up having a heart attack. He pitched for them. There you go. The more you know. From 1979 through 1981, the National League Rookie of the Year was a Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher of the following, which did not 
win NL Rookie of the Year between 1979 and 1981. Dave Stewart, Fernando Valen... I knew I was going to butcher that. Valenzuela. Valenzuela. (laughs) Rick Sutcliffe. Steve Howe. I was over here practicing the name, too. Oh, geez. I know I saw Fernando when he came up in 81. Um, Mm -hmm. I know he won it. I know that Al won it, I think, as a reliever. Let's put some talk of this guy Mm -hmm. potentially starting a Major League Baseball franchise in Nashville. Or trying to, I should say. What were the other two options? Uh, The other two, Rick Sutcliffe, Dave Stewart. Yeah. Um, didn't win rookie of the year. I'd have to go with uh, have to go with Sutcliffe. Huh. Bruce, what's on the weekend agenda? Um, watching the games for sure. I love to watch Purdue uh, play, even though they were a disappointment. You know, in the NCAs, I think this year they're going to be a lot better. And uh, and the the Colts, Tennessee, kind of lost a lot, a little bit of luster. Uh, neither of them right up at the top, but uh, you know there's a lot of good good sports this weekend. There is late one tonight for the Boilers. It's a nine o'clock tip at Northwestern. All right, stay on the line no matter what happens here, Bruce. The head-to-head series: Colts and Titans, thirty-six and twenty-two. Colts loud and proud. If I'm looking at the other ones, number four there, Jim Irsay, Colt forty fives. Yeah, he got that. He got that one see. right. Yeah, grit. Though. That was impressive. Two, three, and five, though, not so much. Trust the process, not in the resonating of Bruce. Seventy sixers for both two and three there. On who can't win? Not the Bobcats, Mark. Not the Bobcats. I like that. That's a that's a wrinkle. Dave Stewart for number five there. Bruce, stay on the line. Appreciate that. All right, we'll round it out here. And give our picks to end the show. It's a wake-up call. KB and Andy on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Yeah, final segment of the show. Bit of fun show today on this, uh, well, I'd say football Friday, but tons going on with uh, the hiring of the new coach there at Indiana. Again, Kirk, uh, Kurt Signetti going to be on with JMV today at 5.30. You missed that. Any of our conversation, Query and Company at noon, 107.5thefan.com. Fells, are we ready to pick this game? Do we feel confident before we send in our picks? No. And they post them on the Twitter machine. And if we're wrong, everyone bashes us. Remember, was it week two or three where Mo Alley Cox bashed us? It was the Ravens game, <laughs> it was, was Ravens it not? Game, yeah. I missed that. Was it the Ravens game? Yeah, it was the Ravens game. Because everyone at the fan took the Ravens. Boy, I'm seeing this video of Kurt Signetti getting off the plane in Bloomington, and you got the cheerleaders and the band out there to walk nice. him. It looks miserable out wow. there. Look at this weather. <laughs> Where do I need to go? Pigs to see this, or who's uh, got no, the? No, he actually tweeted out himself. Oh, did he? Now does he? Kurt Signet. He, he hasn't he, updated okay. things. It's still JMU coach I, on. I was on, about on to Twitter. say he keeps his account from from JMU. Boy, I tell you, it does look nasty. Now, I, 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 I guess maybe it's a little bit of a. Uh, this is what IU football is. <laughs> it's your job to make it yeah. sunny skies. I, I, I will say this before we get into our picks here for Colts and Titans. I did, and I know it's just a press release statement, but I did like the first sentence of the Kurt. Signetti quote of, I'm excited to lead this program forward and change the culture, mindset, and expectation level of Hoosier football. I mean, in in politically incorrect terms, 
IU football's a joke. And frankly, it's been a joke for multiple, multiple decades. Oh, it's a punchline, sure. So that approach, I mean, he's spot on because the culture's got issues, the mindset has got issues, and the expectation level. Andy, three and a half wins. That's what Vegas had had them pegged for this season. Yeah, what, well, you're, you're seven? and a half wins. You can schedule your way to four wins. In college football, and Indiana didn't even meet that three. Well, that's why IU bought out of the Indiana game. <laughs> that's why they bought out of that the Louisville game. game yeah. Or, the, or yeah, Let sorry, Louisville. The, the Louisville game. That's why they bought out of that game. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not going to say oh, it's a home run hire. What I've said is you need someone to raise the profile of your program, and I think this is a guy, his his accolades show that he can do that, uh, and that is vital as well. Do we know... And I don't know if you know, so I'm putting you on the spot. The private jet that delivered Coach Sig. Whose is that? Do we know? Yeah, Which boosters the, is that? Yeah, I thought it was a dude that's uh, pumped on. And you imagine me calling him the dude. <laughs> the and he's, dude. You know, he <laughs> can wipe my you-know-what with $100 bills. I, I believe the guy uh, who spearheaded the big change down there for the golf course, Ned Fow. Fow golf course. Okay. All right. I, think he's, I want to say he's a Floyd Central area or maybe has some offspring down in that area. Okay. Okay. If that I rings just, a bell at all. I always just wonder those things because there's got to be somebody. Yeah. yeah got to be someone that loans the I plane. I could be wrong. I don't know. Maybe there was some Andy Moore, Steve Hankey. I'm sure I'm missing somebody. Is there a Seeger and Jasper? I don't know. Maybe I'm not on uh, top of my uh, Indiana boosters there. Uh, all right. Colts. Titans coming up Sunday, 1 o'clock. Again, a rematch of Week 5. So much has changed. That was Ryan Tannehill versus Anthony Richardson. Sunday will be Will Levis versus Gardner Minshew. Uh, Obviously, no Jonathan Taylor. Now, that was his first game back, so he really didn't get a whole lot of run in that game. Zach Moss had the big game. DeAndre Hopkins had the big game. Grover Stewart will not be playing. He played in that first matchup. Key guy for Tennessee and Tahir Tart is playing. Kevin Byard. Uh, their longtime safety played in that matchup. He's not in this one. Uh, who wants to start here? Mark, Andy? Mark, you go ahead. Oh, sure. Yeah, why I, don't you go ahead and I go have, first I before zero, you get off to Disney? I have zero confidence in my pick. I went back and forth because this game. It's tough. Yeah, so I, I went to the old, uh, I did arbitrary win-loss back when the, before the season started. So I was like, what did I even pick? I don't even remember. I had them beating the, the Titans in week five. I have the Titans winning in this one, so I'm going to go with that one. I think it's going to be a close one, though. Titans 21, Colts 20. 21-20, Mark Dykton is on record. You want me to go to next? I'll go next. I'll go next. You know, if you look at just the Sagarin ratings, it's just a number. You would think that the Colts would be very high on the Sagarin ratings and the Titans would be low. They're actually, KB, right next to each other if you look at this predictor. So the the Colts being favored by a point, point and a half, whatever it's going to end up being, Sagarin says the Titans should be favored by two points. They're about even in that predictor. Now, the ESPN predictor uh, has has the Colts winning this game. I need to look exactly what that is because it's changed during the week. I have struggled. I am like Mark Dykton here. I have struggled with this game. 57% the ESPN predictor. I think it's a close game. I think the actual, actually the over could hit. To me in this game, are the Colts going to let a rookie quarterback beat them? The pass rush, 
turning him over, making him feel uncomfortable is so key in this game. What's also interesting to me, Vrabel and Steichen both can do some quirky things. You know, last weekend, I thought Steichen outcoached Todd Bowles and company. We'll see if he can do that. Vrabel, a very good coach. Tentatively, listen, I'm going 23-17 Colts. I'm going to say the Colts win, and they get four in a row. But much like Mark, I have no confidence. I had confidence in Tampa Bay, New England, Carolina. Very little confidence in this pick. Yeah, I've been pretty torn on this as well. You know, early in the season, I would fall back on this a lot. The opposing team has a bad offensive line. The Colts' defensive line should be able to take full advantage. Now, the one missing ingredient for the Colts in that this weekend is, again, it's the last game without Grover Stewart. And I just feel like they've played with fire. Without him throughout this stretch, they've gotten away. They've gotten away with it in a couple of games. I'm gonna say they don't get away with it. Okay. On Sunday, though, I'm gonna go Titans 19-16. I think it'll be ugly. Uh, Nick Folk is a very accomplished kicker. We know Matt Gay is a very good kicker as well. But you know that reverse of what happened in Week Five. It was Tennessee not converting short yardage. The Colts converting short yardage. That was literally the difference. If you look at that fourth quarter and how it played out. I think the reverse happens on Sunday. There's probably a little PTSD, Andy, from me and just Tennessee's history sure. with Indianapolis. We talked Mike, about that Mike earlier. Vrabel's history. Yeah. I probably should be paying a little bit more attention to Tennessee's bad offensive line, Will Levis's inconsistency, but I just can't get away from Stewart not being in the lineup on Sunday.